So it's finally happening. I'm not surprised. I know a lot of people were, were saying, hey, you know, he paid politicians. He did this. He did that. He's going to avoid prosecution. I did a poll. A lot of people say he's going to avoid prosecution. It, yeah, it just looks way too unreasonable. The sources Reuters, I haven't checked it. Can you just check that it's accurate, Alex? Yeah, I'm confirming now. I saw, so DB was the original source I saw, and he's almost always. Oh, DB is pretty legit. Yeah, yeah. DB's pretty legit. Um, I, let me see what he had um, sourced uh, for that. I'm checking just the news wires too, just to see if anything new is coming in. Um, yeah, it looks like he posted a statement from uh, the Attorney General of the Bahamas as well, uh, confirming it. So I'll pin that one there because that was the that was the first one I saw. I saw. Um, yeah, he has it in the thread. Well, let me get the panel sorted. Give me a second. This is unexpected. I wasn't planning to just finish the space. Um, a couple out a few hours ago, so I didn't expect to do this one. But finally, end of a chapter. To an extent, we're seeing the dominoes fall. I think we could do this space as a recap, kind of dig into exactly what happened. So I'll let you check the news. Alex, share with us what you can find while I get the team sorted. Simon, how are you? Yeah, very well. Trying to get some sleep, but apparently SPF's been arrested, right? Does that surprise you? Um, no. I don't know how it could surprise some people. It just it, it would it, it, it would surprise what's, me what's if the... it happened in America, but because it's outside America, because America don't arrest people for financial crime as much as other countries, even though everyone's um, slaying Bahamas. Um, I'm more I'm more surprised. I'd be more surprised if he got arrested in America. Why? So is that why? Do you think if Alex Mashinsky Celsius was in Bahamas, he'd be arrested? Yeah, in America, they 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 like to fine, not arrest. Um, they forgive financial crime as long as you pay for your crime and the American government like to take the proceeds of crime if you commit financial crime. But why do you think he was doing all these interviews? If he was my, – my feeling changed when he started doing all those interviews. I'm like, shit, maybe there's something I don't know. Maybe there's more to the story because if he was guilty, which he, it looks like he is now to be arrested. Yeah, it's um... – <laughs> I don't know. We're all we're all trying to become um, psychologists, I guess, and and second guess the the, the thinking behind that. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was a very good move doing all those interviews. I mean, he really he really uncovered a lot, um, and uh, you know that that's normally normally they need a lot of time in order to unearth all these things and do the examination reports, but. Um, in many of these interviews, he he revealed like a lot. Um, how much of this? I mean, to your point of like the U.S. versus other places, how much of this was because you know the Bahamian regulators realized this was, in some ways, I don't want to say existential, but you know, if they didn't crack down hard on this, given the visibility, what would be the odds that they can continue to to be a financial hub? Uh, moving forward, right? I think they were at some level of risk too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is very embarrassing for um, jurisdictions like Bahamas who have done a lot to try and support our industry. Like they had a really big, um, you know, industry in the reinsurance market. They're a financial hub. Um, and, And my experience of these jurisdictions is they work extra, extra hard 
um, in order to try and protect their reputations because it makes um, such a big difference if you can just capture a, a niche industry like cryptocurrency and put together custom regulations. Um, so it's extremely, it, it, you know, this would be an, a disaster. It is a disaster for the island. It's significant to all the people. Um, and so that's why I'd expect them to come down harder than a, a jurisdiction where financial crime is just paid off with, like the US. Alex, can you give us an overview of what, what you know so far? Like, what do we know? Alexander, you could do that as well, because I know we've been keeping close eye. We know that Caroline went to New York. Some people are assuming that she maybe made a deal, and that's all speculation. We have no idea. But she made a deal with um, with regulators. What? Because at one stage, everything looked like, hey, shit, maybe they're not going to face repercussions. Sam is going doing interviews. Caroline's in New York. And now we find out that uh, Sam has been arrested. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I just I read just the official stuff. There's a bunch of uh, tweets and stuff going around. But, you know, you can't tell unless there's something official. Like for me, I just prefer to read something official. There's an official statement. Um, uh, you know, Stephanie Akanian uh, or uh, Avakanian, which is who is the uh, new lawyer for um, for Caroline, um, is really high quality. She's she's in all of this stuff. She's you know, she's been hired by robin hood and uh she deals with elon with his twit remember his tweeter a tweeter twitter um uh the tweets that he sent out about going private um she's like a huge you know attorney at wilmer hale wilmer hale incidentally is where a lot of sec attorneys end up so that firm is basically chock full of former sec people especially in the litigation department which is where she is um Caroline hasn't said anything. So the most likely thing that I, that I can understand or that I, that I think happened um, is she gave evidence, right? Um, and he, um, he was arrested in the Bahamas. The official statement says that he uh, was, um, that they're going to be prosecuting, but it's pending, uh, you know, their U.S. treaty obligations, which generally for these purposes means that they expect the U.S. to request extradition. Um, although that hasn't been formally requested yet, but they 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 believe that they're not the ones that are going to prosecute him. The U.S. will. So uh, we'll see how it works out. But if that is the case, then that means that the evidence that Carolyn would have given would have been something that is more powerful in the U.S. than in the Bahamas, which is basically everything that deals with what ended up being the bankruptcy, right? Because there's a bankruptcy of prosecution that's happening in the Bahamas, but it's largely been stayed until they resolve issues with the U.S. regarding um, the, the bankruptcy issues that are happening in the U.S. So there was this issue before of who was going to take primacy over the bankruptcy issue. And um, and it looks like the U.S. started taking the lead. And um, and one of the ways I think so in my head, what makes sense to me is um, the the way this got divided up is the U.S. basically granted the Bahamas some allocation of assets to fulfill the bankruptcy obligations there so that they weren't left with nothing, because what would happen is if all of the assets had to go to the U.S., then the Bahamian bankruptcy proceeding would essentially be pointless because there would be no assets to distribute. So I imagine they put some small allocation aside. We still don't know what's in that wallet that apparently they made um, Sam 
put some sort of assets in that's now in the control of the Bahamian government for safekeeping. And then I imagine one of the other things that sped this along, not the bankruptcy proceeding, but the arrest, is she probably offered, Caroline probably offered evidence via Stephanie Avakanian, which is one of the reasons why we know who she is, because Caroline certainly hasn't put out an announcement saying, you know, I've hired this attorney. And uh, Stephanie, it would be, you know, not uh, not legal. Who's, who's, Stephanie, who's, Steph- who's Stephanie? She so she's the um, the he, she's counsel for Caroline. She was um, the she's the Maxwell, the, the one that the, the lawyer that was fought Maxwell, part of the Epstein case, correct? The, no, no, the uh, no I don't think she represented. Uh, that's that's Mark this, Cohen, this... I believe, which is uh, Sam's uh, yeah. attorney. That he oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, Hold on, Mark Cohen. The of the, she was one I've of the seen... I've seen, sorry, I've seen Mark Cohen in my space a few times. I'm like, that name rings a bell. No joke, a couple of times. Um, now I know to so, bring him up. So it's Mark so Cohen. We'll, Ale- uh, uh, hold on, Alexander. I'll give you the mic in a second. So, Alex, can you send me through Mark Cohen's details? So I know who he is next time he's in the audience. I can bring them up. So if he's Sam's lawyer, I'd love to invite him on stage. Not that he, I don't think he'll come up. Um, so, so back to what you're saying, Alexandra. What you're saying is that you think Caroline gave information to the authorities that led to Sam's arrest? Uh, yes, and she may have, or or somebody may have leaked something to the press that hasn't been released yet, because we wouldn't actually know who her counsel was, because to my knowledge, nothing has been filed, right? So knowing who counsel is, is usually something that ends up being released on behalf of the client or from the client themselves. So um, the fact that we know who it is, something happened to make to make us know who she is. Who she is is someone who is the former head of um, the Department of Enforcement. She also uh, ran, I think, the the um, finance and uh, I think they called it blockchain or, or crypto or something like that committee at her firm, which is a big firm. And um, but I mean, uh, Wilmer Hale is not like like um, the ones that you may have heard of uh, that are huge, like Skadden Arps or whatever. Um, it's a more of a boutique firm. It really does do a lot more in just securities law. And again, like I said, the litigation area. So she's so this woman is a powerhouse who actually knows all the securities laws and um, and has had sort of a mixed bag. She also defended um, uh, I think she defended Elizabeth Holmes in Theranos. So she's also uh, used to very high profile cases. Uh, One of the speculations is that because uh, that it's likely that Caroline hasn't actually said anything or has said something, has offered herself as state's witness um, because clearly Sam was throwing her under the bus. Right. He was. How how was was Sam throwing Caroline? And for anyone that doesn't know, because I know some people are not from crypto. I'll get Alex. I'll give you the mic right after Alexandra just to give us a bit of an overview of the whole SBF saga, how it started. Just a general overview for anyone that hasn't been keeping up, which I don't think is many people. So I'll let you do that in a bit. But Alexandra, Caroline was the CEO of Alameda, which was the hedge fund that Sam owned along with FTX. And she obviously knew a lot. They were close. She was in that castle with him in that mansion where they were all having orgies. She was very close to Sam. I don't know if she was his girlfriend or not. And um, she was one of the, the key people, that, like the key five people that were responsible, or there's 10 people in total, but like the top five responsible for most things. Simon, did just I get so it right? Know, um, yeah, Coin, Coindesk has just confirmed he's been arrested just for information. Did they give any other um, information? Uh, I, I just saw the tweet, so I haven't read the article. It's yeah, the same can... as when I tweet it. It's literally the same thing. Okay. Okay. 
And what yeah. what does the did you did you have a look at the article, Ian? Yeah, uh, no, it's it's just it's just repeating what the uh, what do you call it the office for the Attorney General and Ministry of Legal Affairs in the Bahamas posted. Have you been keeping up with the story, by the way, Ian? Not you, too you... much. I mean, I I kind of sat in a little bit earlier on the uh, the call that he was on with Unusual Whales. That was he was playing video games. He was playing League of Legends while talking to them. He 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 confirmed it. it was going to be free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He confirmed it. He was literally playing. Uh, Simon, you know how someone was making game. I'll, get, I'll go back to you in a sec, Alexandra. But Simon, do you remember how people were making jokes when he was on our space and other spaces? There was clicking sound in the background, and people were like he's playing League of Legends. He's stuck I thought it was just. He's stuck in yeah, bronze three. <laughs> He'd been playing that for what three plus years now, and he's stuck in bronze three. I mean, you have to be literally retarded to wait, wait, suck wait, wait. at the he game. He was playing the video games. Oh my god, you guys are talking play. about wait, how he... bad he is at the game. <laughs> he was playing yeah. video games whilst giving the interviews. No way. Yeah. You can hear the clip. What the hell? The oh my god. Yeah. Okay. He spent his last moments of freedom playing a video game and and you know spending time in a Twitter space instead of actually doing something worthwhile. <laughs> it's insane. The guy has that no sense of anything. I mean, he he just he has this lackadaisical attitude. He thinks he's going to be free. He seemed pretty uh, confident that he was not going to get arrested and that he thought he could just simply evade the subpoenas that are being sent his way by the Senate as well as the House. Like, he doesn't care. And, well, too bad for him. I think that pissed off a lot of people in Congress. They're not having it. Yeah, so and... um, I think t- so tomorrow is the, the court hearing. Um, yep. Reuters, Reuters report is that he'll be, you know, he'll be appearing from Bahamas, and CNBC says he won't be appearing. Did we, did we get any closer to, to what's happening tomorrow? Obviously, he's now arrested. So, how does that impact things? I think he's going to be extradited. So, I don't know if he's even going to have a court hearing in the Bahamas yet. It's, it's unsure. I mean, I'm, I'm unsure. But, but Caroline's at the hearing, right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the the throwing under the bus thing was essentially Caroline allegedly confirmed that uh, SBF knew um, that uh, client funds were being used by Alameda. And then SBF came on uh, Mario's uh, Twitter space and all the others saying that he didn't know. So that created a prisoner's dilemma, a, a classic prisoner's dilemma between um, Caroline or SPF, who's going to throw each other under the bus? Because one, one would be lying, which is, which may, um, which I think is what Alex was saying is that this is may maybe what accelerated uh, the arrest potentially because um, playing them off against each other meant that they that there's a slam dunk there. Simon, what that, are the that's, odds that's... that Sam said something in the space the past? week or two that also incriminated himself is it like very high it's the caroline thing i was gonna say how, how nice would it be if it was in our space when ran and and simon put him on the spot and he he especially with ran's one and uh, he confirmed uh creating synthetic bitcoin from memory it's been a while really good job you... he did a he did a good job talking over and over again and just further incriminating him. And then CoffeeZilla did yeah. such a good job, you guys, with that question, really nailing him around. Yep. The hat trick. He's it's not a smart criminal. But, you know, he's an idiot. Another thing is... But those terms and conditions. Is when these types of things normally go down, these people are not in spaces talking and being as flagrant as Sam was in multiple places. It was bound to happen. And I think that they're going to take him down really hard because he absolutely... 
said incriminating evidence. I'm well, that, that's what was so confusing, there. right? Because we, we all thought he's got like this double bluff genius, like owns, the, owns the, the, the government <laughs> type of... And, and maybe it's just that... Like I don't know, maybe he's he's just got a mental condition and and he can't. He Simon, he. he yeah. Who does? Uh, it's he, called oh being addicted to video games, is what it is. Because nope. yo, I was yeah. on that space Mario when he when, last time when I was here, he was typing away. Did that really get confirmed? Because that shit's hilarious. Yes, yeah, no, somebody actually saw him playing League of Legends. Kind of me- mental condition or fixing mechanism. Sorry, Alex. Oh, someone took a screenshot. Did you say Alex? I, yeah, I think that there was a screen. Sorry, there was a screenshot of somebody that um, uh, somebody was actually playing like with him. They were he was they were playing when, at the when, uh, when he he was his, playing League of Legends. When he did his interview with Eric Voorhees, and Eric Voorhees caught him like basically red-handed, and his he, he caught him totally off guard um, about uh, you know basically working with with Gary. Um, he was playing League of Legends on video, like it was because clearly he was playing a video game. Like it's not a secret. Like I think it's like uh, you said, Simon, it's some sort of coping mechanism. So I want to I want to go to um, uh, Peter, if you don't mind, Peter, and then Alexandra. What can we expect? Not sure if you guys can answer this. If there's any attorneys in the audience, uh, do put your hand up. We're inviting a couple right now. Um, but what do you expect in terms of um, uh, sentences for Sam, and, and how bad is he in, of a situation is he, Peter? Well, it depends on what charges they go for. If it's federal, and it looks like it is, obviously, um, there's going to be some various guidelines. There's probably some fraud that they can go for, to be simple, and it's going to be statutorily prescribed, right? So um, we really don't know. I would expect, by the way, that as soon as this broke, you know, the DOJ started really loading up and trying to figure out what happened. I'd be surprised if there were any, you know, regulatory scrutiny prior to that. But, but he was never going to get off the wire, it looks like. And it looks like there's a very motivated Justice Department as well. So they're certainly going to, in my opinion, try to throw the book at him. But they can still only go as far as the documents they have and the testimony they have from Caroline. So still very much an open question in my view. And when you say testimony I... for Caroline, is that confirmed or that's speculation for now? No, not at all. But I was listening to Alex and she made a very persuasive okay. argument about it. Yeah, what Alex, I wonder, I, I wonder two things right now. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was giving you the mic. I was saying your name. Oh, okay. Um, so I think I have a lag. I'm really sorry. I think that there's a lag between, um, you know, when pe- I, no, my good, app is not good. 100%. We, okay, so I'm, but I'm sorry, because like I, I'm hearing things like after uh, when it's silent and then there's talking. So I'm, I'm having a connection issue, I think. But um so two things. One is um, I do wonder because uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Sam mentioned him several times. Nishad Singh. I want to know where he is because he was the CFO and I want to know where the money is. The first thing that occurred to me um, when I saw that Stephanie was hired is Caroline's got cash. And who else has cash if she has cash? Sam has cash. There's cash out there, right? So that money wasn't spent. It's not you know hidden she has some and she knows where more is. That's what makes it persuasive, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, people want to know about the crimes, but really they want to know where the money is. So that I think is one of the, I mean, there's no way she could hire this woman otherwise. There's she, she like Stephanie's like, you know, 
more expensive than me. <laughs> so, um, so that's, that would be, a, and the retainer I'm sure she has is, is ridiculous. So um, if we're talking about a layout of like 50 K or so, or, you know, right off the bat with, and then hourly charges are added on, um, we're talking about, you know, she's got a stockpile of cash that she'd have to prove before, um, you know, Stephanie would take on this case because taking yourself off of a case is an actual procedure that requires um, the judge to agree. And it's a big issue. So she's got to make sure that she can actually she's being Stephanie has to make sure she can actually go the distance. But I really want to know about these two other people, Gary Wong, who was the CTO who can't code. He says himself, he doesn't, he didn't do any of the code and he can't code. And, um, and uh, what's his name? Um, Nishad Singh, who was the CFO who created the, you know, mystery spreadsheet, apparently, where they said, oh, okay, just put all the money in Alameda and then we'll keep track of it. And it's non-existent. So, all the money kept, was in Alameda and they didn't actually keep track of it. And you know that that um, Sam didn't understand the three main types of accounts that he had because every question kept making him go towards margin accounts. Those accounts where FTX actually uh, invested on behalf of people where they were used as a broker. But the accounts that people are worried about are the tokenized securities account, right, where there were there was apparently nothing there. But that should be like a locked drawer, essentially, with uh, one share of Tesla or whatever for every token issued. And then the other are the custodial accounts where you put your money in um, so that you can do uh, trades. But that money is like um, FTX is like a valet where you are letting them hold your money, but it's expressly understood that it's not their money to use in any way. And that's like safe deposit box money. But every time you guys so ask we got, about we've got an official confirmation. Sorry to interrupt, Alex. Um, I just um, tw uh, tweeted the pin. Um, sorry, what am I trying to say? Pin the tweet. Um, and uh, yeah, they said the Bohemian government has arrested and it was on request of the U.S. government. There we go. Yeah, and the one thing based I'll add, on based yeah. on sealed indictment filed by the SD, SDNY, we expect to move to unseal the indictment in the morning, and we'll have more to say at that time. So tomorrow morning, we'll have more information. Go ahead, Peter. Well, that'll give us all the information we need as far as sentencing guidelines. But when the money involved and the number of victims involved are so high, just to give so people can start uh, speculating wildly. 10 plus years is very much in bounds here. Um, you know, these are billions and billions of dollars. And if they go for wire fraud um, and criminal fraud and even money laundering, then there's a whole litany of, of opportunity. The only possible way out for him is if there's a bigger fish that he can sing on, like if Gary Wang or anybody else um, was really pulling the strings and SPF can pull this sort of like, I'm really stupid act. It might persuade a jury, but probably not. So do you think he'd be in point, one of those like um, club-fed um, uh, prisons, or do you think he'd be in like real prison? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I really don't know how that works. No. Can I also off. add? On He's paid Chris, off enough because people. this um, this whole act of you know, I think it was a friend of mine in another space said, but like he's trying to basically get manslaughter instead of murder, right? If if we're looking yep, at it in that context I... by playing the dumb thing, is that not going to play out in this case then? Because it that well, really that was going towards his. Yeah, that was, 
I think the statement that was going towards um, the, the whole point of his apology tour um, was to clarify his state of mind and shift blame, right? So to clarify his state of mind is one of the things that we talked about was um, the two parts of crime is actus reus and mens rea. You don't, that's bad mind and bad act. But the um, when you're dealing with just civil issues, you're just dealing with the action. Um, when you're dealing with criminal issues, you're also dealing with the intention. And that, I think, was what all of the, you know, it was a mistake. I didn't know. I was trying to keep the relationship separate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was video gaming. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't know I was behind the wheel of the car. Oops. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't makes, know makes if that's going to work. No, just Sorry. like Bloomberg literally just dropped it about 20 minutes late. So just wanted to say kudos to all you guys and Mario. For, like, yeah. I wanted to uh, talk about uh, something coming up from Miami. So, you know, we all know that we had a lot of events at Miami and at Miami, I met someone um, who uh, Miami events were what last week, I think. Um, and I met someone who is the dad of one of the founding members of Avalanche. And uh, they had a lot of money invested in FTX. So this guy was with Sam last week. And they literally like slept in the same room. right? So he was that close. So he told me that uh, Joe and Barbara, Sam's parents, they were already in Bahamas. And they already knew. I mean... It's hard for, I know we all are saying that, okay, finally the extradition and everything is happening. But these guys already knew that Sam was going to get arrested. And what the, the conversation um, from there, what it progressed to was that if he comes to US on his own, he could get arrested. However, if he is extradited to US, then he gets some additional rights. Now, I'm trying to go on Google and look at what those additional rights are. And it seems like uh, based on some old cases like U.S. versus versus uh, Nulls, and I know we have attorneys up here so they can shed more, right, uh, more light on this, but it seems like extradition uh, hearing in this case could actually even happen in Bahamas. And based on the conversation I was having with this guy, he said that the Bahamas government actually likes SBF a lot. And obviously, you know, FTX has brought a lot of money into Bahamas and the Bahamas government really likes SBF. For them, SBF is still the golden boy of crypto. So I did want to share that perspective. That, yeah, you know, I know they definitely that would have loved it, but this would be very embarrassing. But I think I think you've cracked the code there. So it appears that obviously his parents know exactly what he should be doing. So between what you just said and what Alex said, that play the dumb, get the, you know, get the whole uh, homicide instead of murder. Um, and then also there's an extradition stra- strategy, which gives additional. So it, it seems like, um, yeah, it, he's not, he, he, knew, he knew exactly what he's doing. He's getting the right advice and it's probably the right strategy for given what he knew was going to happen. I have a question, Simon and crypto, you know, both of you, um, crypto emotion since both of you are here. Um, if the extradition process goes through, I know the tweet that you just pinned up, uh, Simon, it says that tomorrow they are going to actually open the sealed envelope. Is there a case, uh, is there a chance that he might actually stand 
a hearing in Bahamas. And if that happens, if I'm not wrong, in Bahamas, the hearing could be presided over by a single judge versus if this case was to be brought in U.S., then there could be a grand jury. So, so the sealed indictment is usually done by a grand jury, right? So they got a grand jury to to indict him. And that indictment can only be enforced according to U.S. treaty with other countries. And so the indict, so the order of operations was was at least for the legal part was grand jury indictment, which which they claimed sealed. Right? You can you can do that. Grand juries um, are generally sealed. They can be not sealed. Um, and sealed just means private, not made open to the public. But they're saying they're unsealing it, which means it was supposed to be private, but the um, the overriding some one of the parties made an argument that it should be unsealed and uh, and the state agreed. So it's unsealed. And then and then that's when the extradition can happen. Go ahead. I have a, I have a question. I have a question for, for you, for Orbis and for Peter and anyone else that can answer it. So I've been under the assumption that everything Sam is doing is very calculated including our interviews. It took me a while to figure out what it is, but then when I heard him in the interview, same answer time and time again, he's just trying to say it changed the perception of him. And it worked well with the New York interview that he did, New York Times interview he did, where he got a, he, you know, people started clapping at the end and we had um, um, Kevin O'Leary and, and the other guy, the one that is known to shorting, the hedge fund guy, um, on bad with names, um, say, he did a tweet, he's like, call me crazy, but I think Sam is telling the truth. So, like every single step for someone to build, and we had the last space we did on FTX. If you remember, everyone, we had the insiders that were investigating, not Is insiders, that Bill the, Ackerman, uh, not sorry. Bill Ackerman, the guy that Bill Ackerman hates. They fight, no, Bill Ackerman, yeah, sorry, Bill Ackerman, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, so Bill Ackerman made a tweet, yeah, exactly. So, um, and then we had in the last space for anyone that missed it, that was an incredible space, and I did a whole thread on it during the space. We had Hussein and Nick come in, they've been investigating, um, FTX for nine months, I think it was. And they're like, Mario, we're going to spill all the beans in that space of yours. They got a whole data room of evidence, been shared with the press, it's been shared with um, uh, 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 lawmakers that have requested it. Where they went through the entire store, because they've been doing it since the early days, since they got fucked by Liquid, which is owned by FTX, they investigated everything, the whole web, and they had some speculation, they had some, and they had some facts, and they kind of differentiated between the two, and it all seemed extremely extremely well planned what sam built and what he was building if he actually pulled it off and his exchanges him and kevin o'leary and justin sun and that's a speculation and they're building that liquidity pool among exchanges to become the main exchange for a cbdc centrally backed digital currencies which will make him you know a big contender to binance and potentially uh, beat binance so for someone to be that intelligent and lead such such a plan and such a company, I just don't think it's stupid enough to just like recklessly jump on an interview. Now, why am I saying this? Because I want to go to a question for Alexandra Orbis and, and Peter. Is So can you repeat, Orbis, what you mean or, or whoever? Why could Sam intentionally have done all this? Like he expect not done it, but he's... I don't, why didn't he avoid... Why did, first, why didn't he escape Bahamas? Because that was my question from the early days. Was he just not... He didn't fathom... The, 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 how big his problem was and Simon kind of talked about this it just never clicked for him we had uh, Martin Shkreli also on the space tell us like it takes a while for these things to sink in because of the enormity of what he did so that's the first question second question Orbis I think you were mentioning and Alexandra agreed or, or vice versa that 
his parents knew that he was going to get extradited. They were planning for this and something around a, 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 a less extreme, um, you know, less extreme sentencing or, or more rights. Can you elaborate on that point as well? Because I'd be curious to see if this is even well planned. Hey, so I do not know what additional rights he gets. But then, as I mentioned, you know, the person who was who said all of this to me that oh Sam's definitely getting arrested but the reason why he hasn't come to US is because if he comes to US then he gets arrested and he loses rights however if he's extradited to US then he gets some different rights and uh, I am not a lawyer so I don't know what those additional rights could be that makes any sense can... because once he's on American soil I mean he is under the jurisdiction of uh, the US government it doesn't really matter what I'll... Can I just jump in here? Like, I, I don't know what those additional rights are, but I suspect they're procedural and will have no impact on the substantive res resolution of the case. Yeah, I think, I think that actually deals with if you're not a U.S. citizen, because there's a lot of extradition that happens with non-U.S. citizens because the crime was committed in the U.S. or the nexus of the crime was in the U.S. So they'll be extradited um, for, you know, to the U.S. judicial system. But the additional protections they get are because... Um, they're they're still honored as a as an overseas national. They have to make sure that there wasn't a particular protection that was granted to the overseas national. And usually, that kind of stuff deals with like, did you have diplomatic immunity? Were you dealing doing something on behalf of a government, or or you know, was there was there some other connection that you have to be careful with? That's when you get the protection of um, of extradition. But uh, I mean, like, there's extra protection in extradition, as far as I'm aware. Um, but you. If you're a U.S. citizen and you were extradited back to the U.S., there isn't any particular protection that I'm aware of. I want to I want to go to to quickly before before the question, um, Alex. Do you mind reading the letter? And I know you let, read the Coin Desk or the Coin Telegraph article as well. Do you want to summarize that for us, if you don't mind? Yeah. So again, this is uh, coming from DB uh, Tier 10K on Twitter. So the statement from the Attorney General of the Bahamas. Uh, Senator Ryan Pinder KC on the arrest of Sam Bankman Freed. On December 12th, 2022, the Office of the Attorney General of the Bahamas is announcing the arrest by the Royal Bahamas Police Force of Sam Bankman Freed, aka SBF, former CEO of FTX. SBF's arrest filed receipt of formal notification from the United States that it has filed criminal charges against SBF and is likely to request his extradition. As a result of the notification received and the material provided therewith, it was deemed appropriate for the Attorney General to seek SBF's arrest and hold him in custody pursuant to our nation's extradition act. At such time as a formal request for extradition is made, the Bahamas intends to process it promptly pursuant to Bahamian law and its treaty obligations with the United States. Responding to SBF's arrest, Prime Minister Davis stated, the Bahamas and the United States have a shared interest in holding accountable all individuals associated with FTX who may have betrayed the public trust and broken the law. While the United States is pursuing criminal charges against SBF individually, the Bahamas will continue its own regulatory criminal investigations into the collapse of FTX with the continued cooperation of its law enforcement and regulatory partners in the United States and elsewhere. Signed from the Office of the Attorney General and Ministry of Legal Affairs for the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. You know, TLDR is that he's screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Guys, uh, you know, I, I want time. to. 
I mean, you know, without getting into ifs and buts, and because especially because we have a couple of lawyers here, the question that I wanted to pose, and uh, you know, more as seeking information, just the possibilities of what could happen. Uh, Alex, thanks for reading that out. But doesn't that mean that uh, the extradition request by the Bahamas hasn't officially been signed off? Which means that there is a chance that uh, SBF might not be extradited to US. That's the first thing because you know I'm looking at the extradition uh, treaty and there are clauses in which uh, you know uh, they they list the scenarios in which extradition can be granted and cannot be granted and there so are I've a got, few scenarios. Uh, obvious, I do have someone. I do have Vishal who can actually talk about the Bahamian US US extradition treaty. Um, so I think he can answer those points for you. Vishal, Vishal, are you with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. What's up? All right, man, can you give us uh, – good, man, good. It just feels – this space is like a bit of a sigh of relief when we like, <sighs> at least there's, you know, some justice. Because some people started getting me worried, like, hey, he paid off enough politicians, he was not going to get arrested. And I just – I couldn't – you know, I, I I wasn't believing that, so it's good that that wasn't the case. But can you give us more insight into the uh, Bahamian-U.S. extradition treaty and what that could mean for Sam? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I'll just start with initially, I mean, we talked about this last time as well. I mean, there's a book called uh, Three Felonies a Day, which people can read if they're interested, which talks about how determined U.S. prosecutors can really put anyone in jail if they want to. Um, And so I think the idea, you know, very early on, I think the idea from a lot of people that he wasn't going to be arrested um, just felt structurally wrong to me because of that. Um, You know, there was more than enough evidence um, to arrest him and to charge him with any number of things. And the Bahamian U.S. extradition treaty is actually like very, very um, flexible and, and amenable to U.S. interests. Um, the main clause is really, I don't know, I think somebody mentioned this earlier as well, but the main clause is really the idea that if the offense is a crime in both the Bahamas and the United States, regardless of if that offense is defined the same way, um, if the semantics are the same, if the period of punishment is different, it doesn't matter. If it's a crime in the United States and it's a crime in the Bahamas, then it's applicable for extradition. And so in this case, I would be astonished if Bahamian authorities didn't accept um, a formal U.S. extradition request. Uh, it fits the bill. Um, again, the there was somebody I think mentioned earlier, just before I came up, that there's uh, a set of stipulations and the Bahamian U.S. extradition treaty, you're, and they're you're all... cutting out, bro, bro, Vishal, you're cutting out. Oh, your connection. Um, it sounds fine to me. There are oh, okay. there are a set of of um, stipulations in the treaty, but they're very very generic, um, and you could put pretty much any offense under there again, as long as it is a crime in the Bahamas, in the United States. So, in this case, as long as the U.S. formally requests extradition, the likelihood that it's granted, I think, is extremely high. Um, but it'll be up to the Bahamians on how quickly they process their own charges, um, which was in the letter, as somebody just read it earlier, but it's in the letter as yeah, well. Yeah. That they, are, they plan to process charges on their own as well. So as and long as the U.S. It's worth pointing out, right, that yeah. they would not have initiated the uh, extradition if there wasn't a phone call from the uh, United States. So they are just preparing for it. It's, you know, obviously still being drafted. So I would expect that to happen within the next day. Yeah, yeah. And my life it's been like to the point of whether it's accepted or not. They had to put a case together. It had to take some time for them to build this case before they were going to do it. Even though everybody was screaming it early on, they did what they were supposed to do and followed their rules and regs and put the case together, and that's when they made the call. 
I don't think it was as much about building a case against Sam Bankman, though, because I heard those claims initially as well. You know, people brought up Enron and it brought up other financial collapse and they allude to the fact that like, hey, you know, for a year's period of time or sometimes longer, no one was charged. And a lot of times what it is, is they're just looking for other people to implicate. It's not so much that they're building a case against the primary target. Like Sam was an easy person to build a case against. Yeah, he gave more plenty towards FTX and a, I mean, Alameda, right? It's more a case between both of those. Uh, I think not it's more so to them, see who else, who else yeah. was compliant and knowledgeable about the activities that were happening. And there were definitely other people. It's impossible to move the amount of money he moved without other people knowing about it and being concerned. I, and that's, so, I mean, so, I, I guess I, US I, um, I, I before, before the, I give, I'll, I'll give you Alexandra, just want to say quickly yeah. one thing and I'll give the mic to Alexandra. For anyone listening, tomorrow we have uh, Mark Andreessen coming on the show. So I've pinned it above. It's pinned on my space as well. Um, if you want to listen to Mark Andreessen, uh, make sure you join us tomorrow. You set your reminders. Also, my team is checking now. My All my team is awake. So they're checking all news outlets. As soon as we have more information, on hopefully we hear Caroline getting arrested as well in the next uh, few minutes. That'll be that would make my day. It'd be a good way to end the day. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so they're watching all news outlets, all sources. But if you are requesting to speak and we're not bringing you up, make sure you DM me, tell me why you want to speak and, and what you want to bring to the table so the team can check it because there's too many requests and I can't go through them. Twitter spaces glitches. Alexandra, you were saying something? Yes. Um, so first, I pinned, or I mean, I uh, I posted to the. The comments, you know, like the the th the purple thing at the bottom. I posted to the comments the um, extradition procedures. If you guys want to understand them, what's really interesting there is there is a provision for kidnapping somebody uh, to bring them to the U.S. It's very interesting. Lures and stuff like that are discussed. It's very easy to read, but you can look at the procedure and see exactly what has to happen or had to happen for extradition to happen. Um, the the next thing is I don't even think it's individuals. It's not just this group of ten. I think they're looking at whether or not Justin Sun is implicated in Tron. And those, I mean, those are major companies that are involved in Tron. It's like Panasonic and other ones there. It's a, it's a bunch of, um, of enormous companies. And if that was uh, implicated somehow in uh, what um, FTX was doing, and I think they're probably also looking at Binance. There was a story today. Hey, um, there's a bit of breaking news here from the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District of New York. Now, if you're not familiar with what that is, that's basically the most powerful district in the United States when it comes to uh, these kinds of legal proceedings due to their proximity to Wall Street. So they tweeted, U.S. Uh, Damian Williams, that's uh, the, the uh, Attorney General, or not Attorney General, sorry, the, uh, the attorney that's responsible for this, the U.S. Attorney. He said, earlier this evening, Bahamian authorities arrested Samuel Bankman-Fried at the request of the U.S. government. Based Based on a seal indictment filed by the SDNY, that's the Southern District of New York, we expect to move to unseal the indictment in the morning and we'll have more to say at that time. So this was initiated at the behest of the SDNY, the U.S. authorities, and they have the uh, jurisdiction to do so. So he is in a lot of trouble. I wonder if Caroline was in New York and rolled over on him. Possibly. Closed doors. You know, their, their home base, though, I believe is in Florida. So... Um, it will be interesting to see where they got New York from because, um, for example, the class action suit is in Florida. It takes place in Florida. Because... Oh, I know. But this is basically, okay, so what, what happens is SDNY has, for you know, for all intents and purposes, the most resources when it comes to U.S. attorneys. So what normally happens is when, when there's a big case like this and it's financial fraud, 
usually the uh, smaller courts, like the ones in Florida and so on. Is it Ian Choppy? Just want to know if it's me. It's you. It's it, you. It's, it's not you. Choppy. It's you. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead, Ian. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what normally happens is that when uh, when you have a big case like this, uh, the SDNY will usually step in and say, hey, we can handle it. We've got the resources. You know, we've got the manpower. We've got hundreds of people working for us. So we can handle the case. And that will usually be where they hold a case. This is but that's, the same see, thing that they, they don't get to. No, no. Wait. Wait one second. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they don't actually get to pick, right? You have to actually have jurisdiction over the matter, um, both the race and in-person ju um, jurisdiction, right? So there's still requirements. Usually, that yeah. Be, and so they, 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 they there be fill some the nexus. requirements. Yeah, they fill the requirements here. They well, wouldn't be doing but this But that's what I want to know is what is that fulfillment? Because right now, when the class action took place, um, it, I was... A little surprised that Florida was the place that was selected. It, maybe it is um, for that particular type. Uh, you know, the, the courts are, are a little more generous, but it doesn't really matter for federal court. Right. right. So, um, for, I mean, for this federal case, you can't pick your jurisdiction like that. Right. Like that's why Block 5 was done by the New Jersey um, district uh, or um, state uh, U.S. attorney for New Jersey because it was based in New Jersey. So I don't know that they have, uh, like the only nexus that I knew of was their relationship with Gemini, which is in New York. So I'd be interested to know what that was. I have a prediction. I think Caroline, when she was in New York last week, spoke with somebody, rolled over on them for a better deal. Yeah, we made, we made that assumption. Probably right, broke but that's, deal, not, yeah. that's not sufficient though. Remember, we still have legal obligations so that it could be put into a particular venue. So we can't just, you know, say, well, this one has the, has, can, you know, has the harshest penalties or this one has, you know, the, the ones with the most resources to do it doesn't work that way. You actually have to do it according to where yeah, the most, the most representative nexus is. And then if it's, if somebody wants a different one, then you have to file, um, you know, a, a change of venue or FNC, like a forum nonconvenience, and then you get it relocated. But there's no so relocation. Ultimately, ultimately, he could be trans. Uh, he could be extradited from New York down to Florida. He I'd be very surprised. Cases, right? It doesn't really matter as long as the SDNY has uh, jurisdiction over this, because you know this is financial fraud, and it's very likely related to the SEC. But that's also not New York, right? None of those are New York nexus. So they don't, it's not like New York has the, the rulings for uh, financial fraud or anything financial or, or New York has, you know, anything related to the SEC. The SEC isn't based in, in New York. So okay, it has no. to be something specific that, that they have a way to capture them in New York. And I don't know that they had a base in New York. That's not where they're incorporated, as far as I'm aware. That's not where they had their base. So I'm interested to find out what that is, because none of this right now is actually the reason it gets captured. And we don't won't know until they um, until the official complaint is issued. So we can see there's a section in there that says venue and jurisdiction. It'll be tomorrow morning where they release the, uh, the unsealed indictment. Right. So when we see that, we'll be able to see it. But that is what I'm saying is that, um, well, the indictment alone is not going to say jurisdiction. The complaint will actually say jurisdiction and choice of venue. And that's what we're going to be looking for. I want to give a chair. I know your hand is up. I just want to give an overview for the audience of, um, I think we talked about Justin Soon and others around. So what we're going to see over the next few days, weeks and months is others get arrested around Sam. And we're going to see how, how, how deep this is going to go. For example, well, is, there, is there something official with Justin Sun, or is that just speculation? No, no, no. This is I was going to say. So, so for example, so Justin Sun and, and Kevin O'Leary 
I highly doubt they're gonna face any 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 criminal action. I don't think they did anything, you know, intentionally did anything illegal or anything wrong. But to give you an idea of one of the speculative things that was made, again, that's speculation, but I'm mentioning it because the guys that made it have looked deeply into everything, and there were some of the people that called out a lot of things before they became, you know, they became known. So I, I, I think it's worth mentioning. But for example, Sam was working on a liquidity pool among his exchange, and Simon, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think you were there for that for that space, and Alex, you were there as well, I think. So he was creating a liquidity pool among, which is nothing wrong with that, but he was creating a liquidity pool among FTX. And Justin Huobi, I think. Can we get Wall Street Silver up here? Uh, yeah, sure. I didn't see him. We so need between more space. him, yeah, we need to remove somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll sort it out in a sec. I'll step down. I appreciate oh, thanks, you guys having me. Of course, this has been great. Uh, let's go. Get that guy. <laughs> yeah, get him back it, to the US. I know Justin um, bought Poloniex, and Poloniex was fined by the SEC and settled. Um, and, and Poloniex was one of the first crypto to crypto exchanges, real old school one. I, I want to, uh, yeah. Simon. I want to actually right after we, we I, I just finished what I'm saying, and then we get Wall Street Silver's uh, thoughts on this. I want to get your thoughts and Alex's thoughts about the concerns around Binance. I was going to d- discuss it in Thursday's show, but we can bring it up now. Um, so just what I was saying is that liquidity pool was being created between Sam FTX and uh, Justin Sunswobi. This is all speculation, by the way, everyone, and there's nothing wrong. Exchanges do this all the time. But I'm just saying that Sam and, and um, Kevin O'Leary's exchanges, and uh, it's all part of the thread. Who's going to take care of which jurisdictions? Now, why am I saying this? Unrelated to Sam getting arrested, all I'm saying is that Sam, as we saw with the block and we saw um, multiple examples over the last few months, it, they, there was just – Alameda was doing just so much shit. Now, some of it will just be dragging people into their mess like the block – um, and their CEO, which the block did nothing wrong, at least not from what we know now. Others might have been more involved than, than, than what we know at the moment. So we may see more arrests and more investigations over the, the next few weeks and months. So that's the point I wanted to make, and uh, I saw J- Kevin O'Leary's name mentioned a few times. Again, I, I'm not um, implying Kevin intentionally did anything wrong. Okay, um, we got Wall Street Silver in here. Uh, you want to speak? Yeah, I think uh, it'd be good to have your input. Um, I'm sorry, I, I missed everything you guys were talking about before. I just saw the spaces going and and joined it. Thank Sam's arrested, bro. Up. Sam's arrested. Yeah. They're still, yeah. they're still. Uh, the world is still is fair in some ways. There's still well, justice I, I, in the system. You know, Jim Iorio and I had a bet just that we made a few days ago for one ounce American silver eagle coin, and I think I'm going to win now. Because uh, he didn't think this would ever happen. So, uh, hey, I, I just made one ounce of silver on this. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Cherry? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, guys. Uh, f- first of all, I'm going to issue a little disclaimer that uh, whatever I, I say is with a grain of salt and it's on a, it's pure humor. But when it comes to the biggest uh, uh, jail tard or <laughs> that is deserved between the orgy of... Uh, of of criminals that was in um, in the Bahamas. I don't think like the the biggest one was. Uh, I'm just sorry. I'm, ju- I'm just going to give you the mic in a sec, Thierry. The ins- the whistleblower is talking about Hussein is going to join the space. So the person that okay. was uh, that we did the space with last time, um, that uh, probably one of the biggest investigations into FTX before the implosion. Um, I'm really happy he accepted to come on the space again. Because uh, he said he's going to take a break from all this mess. So awesome. he'll be coming in shortly. But yes, yeah, so you were saying something, Thierry? 
Yeah, so I think uh, Alameda basically and Caroline probably deserve the biggest jail card uh, because uh, when you look at the activities, it seems like the one that was doing the most uh, uh, reckless uh, behavior was pretty much Alameda. Uh, so I, I don't really know what that coffee was about uh, in New York because you would think of the two, the one that was more likely to get locked up uh, because they were hanging around a jurisdiction where they could get locked up is is Caroline, right? So so why was she free is a bigger question than why was he free? Because he had the benefit of the doubt of being in Bahamas and maybe it takes some time for you to lock him up. But for her to be over there, I mean, you know, for me, it's a little bit more, more flagrant than that. So it, it, it sounds like whatever happened there was probably like a deal maybe not to just, you know, not a get out of jail uh, free card but, uh, but 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 definitely something that would that would uh, she was definitely better advised and she acted better she wasn't like screaming all over the place <laughs> that you know uh, she's sorry or something which is definitely incriminating uh, I think well, it, it seems they both a little bit better than than SBF for sure yeah it seems <laughs> they both acted in the right way so if you if you if you trace the story say so... Um, SBF knew that Caroline had said that he he knew that client funds were being used. So SBF would then um, follow what's the best path, given that you know we're we're pitted against each other. Uh, well, the best path is to play dumb so that I get done for the equivalent. I don't know what the right word is if there's any lawyers, but the equivalent of homicide instead of murder, whatever that relates to financial crime. Um, and then stay in Bahamas, so extradition offers some additional protection. So given the scenario, it seems like everything was the right strategic move based upon what everyone's saying today. Because uh, it was either, you know, once, once Caroline has made, had made that first move, uh, then, then he, he, he seemed to have known his fate. Um, and I don't believe there's any separation between Alameda and FTX. That's all BS. Um, yeah. you know, this was one entity. Just That's really quickly, the distinction. Point. Wait, um, just very quickly. Just the distinction um, between uh, manslaughter and homicide and financial crimes is really going to be um, the civil fraud and uh, financial crime segment versus the criminal segment. They're very different. They can be brought together. But if you move one into the civil area, then then it's really just about fines. Um, but if you move it into the criminal area, then obviously we're talking, um, you know, something significantly more more severe. I don't know that he would survive jail time, to be honest. I mean, if it's not <laughs> like go, Club Fed, I don't think I'll he go would. To- I'll go to Wall Street Silver, and then we got Hussein on stage, which I'm really grateful for. Wall Street Silver, go ahead, man. Well, it, once he's in, once it's in the federal system, the the length of the sentence is often judged by the size of the financial crime, and because we're, you know, that's why Bernie Madoff ended up with 150 plus years. The size of the amount of money is critical in the length of the sentencing, and with the numbers we're, they're throwing around, you know, eight to ten billion. For FTX, um, Sam's looking at a hundred, you know, a similar hundred plus year sentence here. Can so you remember how much? How much was Bernie? Bernie was one hundred fifty years, and you know he was how in many? His, what, how much uh, dollars? Oh, he was fifteen or sixteen billion. But if you look oh, at the so actual pretty pot, close. 
if you look at the actual Ponzi number of what, you know, the fake number of what he said people had been making, that was a, at 60 billion. But the real dollars that actually went into the Ponzi was, I, I want to say 16 billion or in that, in that area. But the key thing here is it wasn't just SBF. I just did a tweet about this. It was also Gary Wang, his wife, Constance Wangs was the COO, Caroline, we all know. Uh, Sam Trabuco was the the co-CEO of Alameda who just resigned a few months ago. And I think a lot of people would like to know, you know, did he see the writing on the wall three months earlier and, and bailed out three months earlier hoping to, to dodge this? I will jump in. I, now, I wasn't going to do any more spaces about FTX. Uh, the numbers are much higher. I, I know you guys are thinking it's 8 to $10 billion. The numbers, when they go into full investigation, they start looking at when he cashed out the crypto, the customer's crypto, sold it out, and all the funds that he brought in. Um, we've got data that puts it up to $26 billion, and that's not even, we believe, not even after data out there. There's a lot of companies, a lot of investments, and a lot of money he put in that we know uh, about. Your mic's a little choppy. Yeah, Hussein, your mic, your mic is a bit choppy, man. If you can, and uh, we can hear a bit of feedback on your end. Maybe I'll, I'll, let it give you, I'll let Orbis speak quickly and then uh, so you can fix your mic and then I'll give you the mic again because I know you'll probably have a lot to say. So uh, I'll, I'll jump off and jump back on. So it might be, uh, it's sometimes it happens with the connection when I join you guys. Uh, so right, let cool, me jump good. on and we'll start jumping back on. All right, perfect. Orbis? Turn off your notifications so you don't get kicked out. Yeah, I'll tell him. He got, yeah, I'll tell him as well. I'll tell it's because well. he speaks so hey, fast, it so, breaks the mic. <laughs> all right, so uh, Mario and you know, everyone on the stage, I was just looking at uh, uh, Bernie Madoff, I think it was 150 years, right? And uh, his sons were also convicted at that time, but I believe... Um, if I'm not wrong, didn't both of his sons also die in jail? I'm not sure. And obviously, no, 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 Bernie one committed suicide. Bernie Madoff's brother was convicted. One of his sons committed suicide. And the, the, the sons were mostly innocent. The sons were just running the normal. There were two businesses that Bernie Madoff had. One was a completely normal, you know, uh, brokerage business. It was the money management business that was the Ponzi, the two sons actually turned in Bernie Madoff, their father, um, when their father, Bernie, confessed to them that, you know, it was all over. The the two sons the next day went to the FBI and turned their own father in. So the two sons were, you know, their, their lives were destroyed by this, but they did the right thing. So I don't want anyone to, at least that's everything I read about it. They were never charged. Bernie Madoff's brother was part of the scam and was convicted. And I think he also died in jail. But Madoff was charged with like 11. I mean, he pled guilty to like 11 counts. I mean, securities fraud, wire fraud, perjury, money laundering, mail fraud, right? So it's like with with Sam, it's not just going to be one charge, obviously, right? I mean, wa federal wire fraud alone, right? Just federal wire fraud. That carries a 20-year maximum sentence. And if you involve any financial institutions, that can go up to 30 years. If you add aggravating factors, you can you can talk about 35, 40 years for federal wire fraud alone, not to mention the numerous other crimes he's committed. And so <clears throat> I don't think it's a question. He, he's likely to go to prison for life, I think, if they do take it that far. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it would be it would actually be better than what happened to Ross, right? The guy who created the social um, the social platform for e-commerce back in 2000s. And he was arrested for creating an anonymous 
social platform where people could come and sell and he wasn't even part of any of the illegal activities and yet he was he was arrested for also soliciting for, he was arrested for some soliciting for murder and a few other things it wasn't just creating a website so i mean i know the so the urban the never, urban legend he was, was charged, he just charged yeah. with any of the illegal crimes though yeah so um, I want to go to, to Hussein, um, if you don't mind, guys. Hussein, are you with us? Mario, I just wanted to, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, I just wanted to ask uh, two questions quickly. Sure, go ahead. Uh, and those questions were, um, like, you know, looking at the extradition treaty, there's uh, the one case in which the extradition request might not go through is if uh, they determine that, you know, the extradition is politically motivated. So I wanted to just ask the experts over here, with all the big names being pulled on, is there a chance that the investigation might go this route and the reason i'm bringing up all of these questions is because again guys you know like almost 10 days back i had heard that you know they are waiting joe and barbara they're waiting for sbf to be extradited and so i'm trying to think that you know what could be the loopholes that are being exploited at this time and the second question i had was uh, is there any scenario in which uh, uh, i know as stock vishal spoke about uh, situations where, you know, between U.S. and Bahamas, if the crime is similar in nature, the person would still be extradited to U.S. But is there any scenario in which the trial could happen in Bahamas, especially looking at one of the uh, precedences of another case where they had made an argument that we will not get justice in U.S. and so we want Bahamas to take over our case. So, Vishal. Yeah, I can yeah, read you the exact clauses. So it's 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 the political motivation thing about offenses is pretty straightforward. Um, in in this case, I don't think it would apply, but I can read you exactly what it says in the extradition treaty. It says, for political and military offenses, extradition shall not be granted when a the offense for which extradition is requested is an offense of a political character. In which case, I don't think it is. Even if you can make the argument that there is some political motivation behind it the offense itself is not of a, of a political character and so i think that's the exception you're referring to but anyways b the executive authority of the requested state determines that the request was made for the purpose of prosecuting or punishing the person for an offense of again a political character c the executive authority of the requested state determines that the request was politically or racially motivated, which again, in this case, I don't think applies. And then number two, for the purpose of this treaty, the following offenses shall not be considered to be offenses of a political character. A, murder. B, offense with respect to which contracting state has the obligation to prosecute or grant extradition other than by means of a multilateral treaty convention or other international agreement. And then lastly, the executive authority of the requested state may refuse extradition for offenses under military law, which are not offenses under normal criminal law. So again, not a political are we still discussing whether the extradition is going to happen? The Bahamas said it would, and the SDNY is not going to drop this without extradition already. In the well, bag. no, I agree with you. I was just, I was just addressing her concerns about. Any yeah, useful, but definitely useful to have those primary sources. But this is a fait accompli as far as extradition goes. We don't need to worry about I agree. that. I agree. I was just addressing her concerns. And, and we'll go. And, John, and, and John have, wait, we, just, a, we, just as a, a heads up, John Ray is going to be speaking about this tonight. I don't have a time, but it was just but... released in the Financial Times. Perfect. Um, and we have Meta Law, um, uh, Meta Lawman. Uh, anything to add before I give the mic to Charles Hoskinson and Hussein? 
Meraloma, are you there? All right, Charles, how are you? Good to see you guys. Uh, this is some breaking news, huh? It is. Like last time you were here, we were just witnessing the implosion live on stage, and we're, you know, we're hoping. Now, and then we started losing hope in whether Sam would get arrested, and then we see this. Um, not sure. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna surprise you, Charles. You're gonna enjoy this. Did you? You weren't there for the last space we did, and I wanna, I wanna give the mic to Hussein, Charles, because I invited him back. He said he'll never do it in an FTX space again. So before I get your thoughts on this. I want Hussein to give us an idea because Hussein has, has been investigating FTX for nine months or so, and he's got a lot of insight um, into how deep this goes. And I think Charles, you'll find this really interesting. So Hussein, I want to give you the mic to tell us. I hope your mic works this time, Hussein. Give us an idea for anyone that missed the space we did last time, very briefly. Um, I know there's a lot of things that you discussed, but how? How deep does this go? How many more people are involved? And, and um, what do you expect to see in the next few months? Because you've spent a lot of time investigating FTX and Alameda. Uh, I hope you can hear me much better now. I'm yeah, sitting down. Yeah, I was just having lunch when you got, when you tagged me in. Uh, look, the, the situation is much bigger than most people are contemplating. I mean, even in terms of the money. I know you guys are looking at 8 to $10 billion, but that's not even a drop of water. I mean, it's, what we're looking at right now is just from basic info we have is 26 to $50 billion, right? So you've got different types of funds that they accumulated. Now, what you're talking about is different between customer funds, investment funds, and capital they raise for other projects. So when you combine the three uh, amounts together, you're actually sitting on above 26 to $27 billion. So just to give you a, a quiet insight, initially when we started this investigation, and we started speaking and we put all the data together, we thought that this Ponzi, this whole scheme, was sitting above $50 billion. Um, we haven't seen where the $50 billion is yet. I mean, I know people told us and we spoke to people, we put their data together, but we couldn't prove it. What we were able to prove, that there's now over $26 billion, sorry, $26 billion which went through the hands of Alameda and FTX. So it's, it's a lot bigger than the numbers that you guys are discussing. Now, in terms of and what I loved about this space and the only reason why I jumped on is now you guys are asking the right questions. You get Singh, you get Gary, um, uh, sorry, what's the name? Uh, the uh, CTO, uh, Gary Wong. You, you grab those two, you'll find the money. So the, the system, the guys who looked after the uh, things for FTX, you've got to look at Alameda. The money was being shifted by a few people. Now, we know that Sam took a loan of $3.3 Now, what you guys haven't seen yet is what Caroline took, what Gary took, and what the other guys involved talk. Now, even Dan Friedberg, I mean, you don't give you don't give your your Nishad Singh uh, half a billion dollars plus, and you don't give the rest of them. So these guys were siphoning money out. Um, the, the information that we have that they all took large sums of money. So whoever thinks they have no money, they've got a lot of money. Whoever thinks all the money is gone, all the money isn't gone. It's too big of a numbers. Um, these guys have just uh, very well moved the money and just nobody knows where the funds are. But once you start tracing the funds, I'm pretty sure you know, you know, you'll see there's probably about $26 billion plus in initial investment that they had in their hands. And you'll find that the money trial, you need Singh. We've said it from day one. I don't know if, Mario, you remember. You, you want these guys? Go go after Singh. Get Nishad Singh. No one's gone after him yet. All right? Grab Nishad and Singh. And can you tell us, can you tell, us who, who, can you tell the audience who that is? So here's the – okay. I'm going to tell you from our perspective of my company, how things operate and why before, I'm saying – Before, actually, Hussein, Hussein, just two seconds. I know we have breaking um, – uh, Alexander, you have something to share before we give the mic back to, to Hussein? Yeah. John Ray's statement is out. Um, if you If you want to see that, this is what he says. Um, so he just just uh, 
uh, this is before the, um, why is this not, here it is. Um, this is before the, um, the after the arrest, but before the indictment comes out, which is apparently at 10 a.m. this morning. And I'm looking here. Hold on one second. Just give me one second. Here, I pinned it. So I'll let you prepare. Yeah, I'll let you. Uh, are you ready to read it out? Or do you want, uh, do you want to give the mic back to Hussein first? Um, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you prepare. Me, uh, give give, you, give you a couple I'll of minutes. Yeah, yeah, sure. All good, all good. Hussein, do you want to continue? So you were saying sing, catching sing. Can you tell us more okay. what you mean by that? So Nishad is the guy who built it all. So the back end, the, and from what we've been told, even the, uh, the, the back door, the entry to the system, everything to do with the system, Nishad knew the whole system back to front. So even though Sam or anyone says we couldn't code, you've got to face, you've got to, sorry, go after the person who actually built it. Now, the person that built it knows exactly how and what and where and how they actually, how it operates. So everyone's left Nishad alone. And from day one, even from the day we first jumped on Mario, as we said, grab Nishad. That's the guy. Because this is the guy that actually developed from everyone that we spoke to. Nishad is the one that developed the technology. So he's the one that enhanced and worked on the technology extensively, him and Gary. Now, SBF obviously is the architect and designs what he wants, and they develop it and build it. Now, also, you've got to follow the, the money. You, you know that uh, Nishad has taken over half a billion dollars in a loan. And when it's a loan, that means he obviously he's, that, that's money he's just taken. Um, but so has Sam. Now, what you guys aren't looking at is the rest of the group. You don't give one party and not give the other party. We were told they were all siphoning money. Right, It wasn't just a single person. The whole group was taking large volumes of money. So from what we understand, they all have large volumes of money with them, and we aren't talking about a couple of hundred million each. We are talking about substantial amount of money, over half a billion dollars each. We were told Dan Friedberg alone was in the in figures above uh, Singh, much above Singh. So it would have been the $1 billion plus. So if you, again, these are speculation. We've never been able to prove it, and we don't have the resources to prove this stuff. But what we are saying is once they investigate and they realize the crime, so the crimes, see, they can get away with it if you don't realize what they did. Once you start looking at leverage positions, wiping out people's leverages and everything they committed, you can then trace what accounts got paid and where the money went. You know, we, we were told they were siphoning money through FTX. It was actually being utilized for money laundering. So the, the system itself through leveraging, they were positioning, you know, people to, to take an advantage or, you know, put them in a position, wiping out leveraging. And that person, is that's how that person got paid. So they were actually intentionally losing money so alameda research wasn't losing money you know it, it, unintentionally they were actually losing money to siphon the funds so this okay, so will we've, got, we've, got, we've got the uh, all good man all good i'll let you continue because that's a, you know we, we you've got a lot of information to share based on the last space we've got nick joining as well which is perfect um but alexandra you've got the statement for the new ftx ceo um, what it's, it's, it was in the financial times that I don't have a subscription to, but, um, but it's a, it basically pulled out all of the, um, like they show it the first time and then they cut it because you don't have a subscription, but yeah, send, me, um, send they, me the link, send me the link on WhatsApp and I'll, 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 uh, I'll open it up and then yeah, I'll uh... go ahead and laugh, Charlie. It's what happens, right? Like I'm looking at all the sources and I only were subscribed to like 10. So, <laughs> so what, what, what essentially wrote from you, Mario's what, got what ways of breaking the firewalls. If anyone wants to read it, Doomberg yeah, just tweeted it. Yeah, sure. Uh, do you have it open? Do you want to read it out, Wall Street Silver? It's kind Silver, of long, yeah. so I don't know if it's... Uh, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll read it. While, while many things are unknown at this stage and many questions, questions remain, we do know the following. First, customer assets from FTX were commingled 
without assets from Alameda Trading Platform. Second, Alameda used client funds to engage in margin trading, which exposed customer funds to massive losses. Third, the FTX group went on a spending binge from late 2021 through 2022, during which approximately $5 billion was spent buying uh, a bunch of businesses and investments, many of which are worth only a fraction of what was paid for them. Fourth, loans and other payments were made to insiders in excess of $1 billion. Fifth, Alameda's business model as a market maker required deploying funds to various third-party exchanges, which were inherently unsafe and further a- exacerbated by the limited protections offered by certain foreign jurisdictions. Foreign jurisdictions. So that's the limit of what... Um, has been copied and pasted on Twitter that I can see so far. One if other thing can, I just wanted to it, mention, where, where can I see it? Where can you put it above? Do, 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 Doomberg just tweeted it, if anyone yeah, wants to. Much, all, all of that is consistent with things that have been covered on, on here. If yeah, you, um, yeah, I was going to say the same. If you click on the link that I pinned up there, you can actually see it there. So it's the whole, the the Financial Times thing, it apparently right, will work will, through will, there. Okay, okay. But it, so it says, I'll, the first two things that it says are um, are just talking about here. It's um, questions have been raised as to why all of the FTX group companies were included in the Chapter 11 filing, particularly FTX US. The answer is because FTX US was not operated independently of FTX.com. Chapter 11 uh, protection was necessary both to avoid a run on the bank at FTX US and to allow our team the time to identify and protect its assets. Since the time of the filing, I've become even more confident this was the correct decision as the books and records issues issued at the FTX US and many relationships between FTX US and the other FTX group companies become clearer. He continues, customer assets from FTX.com were commingled with assets from Alameda Trading Platform. And I think the rest was read. Um, but I mean, the, there's supposed to be another statement coming at 10 a.m. tomorrow, I believe, Eastern time um, is when the uh, the District of New York thing is supposed to be um, the unsealed. And I think that there's going to be a statement then actually also from uh, yep. from John Ray. Hey, um, hey Alex, Mario, do you mind if question. I interrupt for just a second? There's uh, another kind of breaking news that's related to the Twitter files, if, uh, if you don't mind. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah of course. What, okay, what happened so- there? All right, so Eric Schmidt, if you're not familiar with him, he's the Attorney General of, um, um, uh, what is it, Missouri? Yeah. So he has uh, sent a letter to Twitter uh, based on uh, the Twitter files, uh, wanting to know uh, James Baker's uh, overall role into whether any key documents that were requested previously were deleted. So I just, uh, uh, well, I just quote tweeted it. I'll put that in the uh, at the top, and that's something worth looking into. So he says here, uh, thanks to Elon Musk's Twitter files, we now know that James Baker had an outsized role in censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story at Twitter. Last week, we sent a letter to Twitter asking the platform to look into whether any key documents were deleted. Further, we asked Twitter to reveal who from the federal government communicated with Twitter to censor speech. Based on our current depositions, we believe the previous list we received pursuant to a third-party subpoena was incomplete. Lastly, we asked Twitter to provide responsive documents pursuant to our original third-party subpoena. And he links to the full letter uh, uh, requesting that Twitter uh, release a bunch of uh, information about all of the federal uh, you know, uh, agents who were communicating with Twitter with regards to the censorship of users. 
and this is only uh, known now, right? This is only allowed now. I'm mean, not allowed, but only possible now because of the release of the Twitter files. So, you know, don't count on the federal government to take action against uh, these, uh, you know, these these people. It, it is uh, attorneys generals like uh, uh, Eric Schmidt who are going to be taking action here. I appreciate you sharing this. For anyone that doesn't know, we do. We we've been covering the Twitter files live for the Mario, last few days. I, uh, for the next few I days. also add a, a funny little tag on to that? Uh, uh, there was a mask went to David Chappelle's uh, stand-up show yesterday in San Francisco, uh, and he wasn't best received amongst the uh, the San Franciscan community. So uh, there's a video of him uh, apparently being booed quite a lot. But uh, uh, as you can tell, there's a that's not the sentiment shared by everybody across the country. So it's quite a funny uh, little uh, anecdote there. I want I want to go back to the files. So so Hussein, the things that Wall Street Silver, Wall Street Silver, if you can pin that, um, pin the tweet you're referring to as well. I just couldn't find it for some reason. Um, it's on Bloomberg's Twitter account. Silver. Uh Doomberg. D D. Oh, Doomberg. Oh shit. Okay. Doomberg T. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see the little bird, the green bird. Right, I'm gonna check it out now. Um, thanks for sharing that. I'll share it, send it to my team so they can keep an eye out on it. But based on what you've read, and I'm going to read it now again, um, there it is. John Ray's testimony. While many things are unknown at the stage, and oh, okay, so that's the testimony that Alexandra read. And is that what you are referring to as well, Silver? Yes, I just read that verbatim from Doomberg's account. Perfect, yeah. Uh, and many questions. We know the following. First, custom assets from FTX were commingled with assets from the Alameda. Okay, so essentially what we know already um, he's confirming it all. Um, but Hussein, I'll let you continue giving us an overview because I want to get Charles's thoughts after he hears you speak on um, on all your findings. So first thing you mentioned is probably the biggest thing you mentioned is that there's a lot more money involved. And I'm trying to get your business partner up on stage. A lot more money involved. And you mentioned a number closer to 50 billion. And I've got a whole thread. I'm actually going to find the thread and I'm going to retweet it so everyone can have a look at it because we kind of summarized in that thread everything um, everything you said. So I'm going to find that thread and retweet it. But that was one of the main things. Then you mentioned that now we're going to, you, you talked about Singh. I've got his first name. He is probably the key, him and, and others, Sam Trabuco as well, and not Gary Wong, the CTO, will be the key to find that money because that money was only was not only funneled through Sam's parents, but also other executives and other employees at FTX and Alameda. And they all got property as well. And that's what your chain analysis showed as well. Is that correct? Correct, correct. I mean, even with the property, sorry. It was just Nishad. Yeah, Nishad Singh, Nishad Singh. Um, Yeah, even with the property, from its early days, we were told that it was about half a billion dollars spent inside of uh, the Bahamas. And they were buying property for a lot of people, including, I think, it was the... one of the guys from the block. Now, we didn't understand the significance. And Mario, if you actually look at the documents I sent you months ago, I mean, they're, they're actually in that document. We just didn't even know who the block was. Uh, we don't come from a crypto <laughs> from a crypto industry. And then when everyone made a big deal about it, I just started looking saying, okay, why is this such a big deal? Then I realized oh, why oh, it was sorry, such sorry, a big deal. Hussein, in your yeah. documents, you mentioned uh, the payment to the block? See, there's 60 million. So, you know, when you look at the first document I sent you, if you download that document, you go to that link and you download it, you'll see that 
I know that there's a little bit difference. Obviously, we get inside information. It's not always perfect, right? But we had some – I actually thought the block was a TV block. I didn't even know what it was. You know, so when we had it on there, we've got influencers, how much money was spent on influencers and how much money was spent on the block. If I'm correct, I don't have the file. I'm actually having lunch. But if I have the file in front of me, I think it was $60 your, million. Your, Jesus Christ. So for anyone – let me mute you again, Hussein, because I'm hearing, getting a lot of feedback from your end. So I'll mute you whenever you're not speaking. But essentially, just for anyone that's not taking, because when you first came on stage, man, when you first came on stage, we got, and that's in the early days, we got a lot of criticisms like, Mario, you're jumping to too many conclusions. But then one thing after another proved to be right. And you were, you and Bit, um, not BitBoy, um, uh, something Top Boy, the insider that had the account Top Boy that came in, you and him probably gave us the most, most insight into everything that, that F, uh, uh, SPF has been doing. Now, top what lad. you're telling me is in the top, in the top lad, tough lad, and in the top files, lad. top lad, and in the files you were doing that you sent me, man. That, it's a pretty big data room, and you sent to the press as well, correct? Yes, correct, so correct. It shows in there that the payment that everyone's gone crazy about right now regarding the block is in those records. Is that what you're saying? It, it is, but it's a lot more on our records. It says that overall there was, I think, six. He dropped out. FYI, uh, I just posted DB, just did another update, but they officially listed the the different charges. So it was wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud conspiracy. Million. So it says that there was a... Oh, shit. He's saying... I'm going to remove... Hold on. Yeah, so the, the just... statement that we read from John Ray, that was actually... Before the arrest, um, with regards to one to other parts. point I wanted to make about the. Oh wait, is somebody talking that I can't hear? No, no. You, uh, oh, you, you. Oh, not anymore. Oh, Go ahead, bro. Go good. My bad, my bad. Because it looked like some people's mics were unmuted, but I couldn't hear anybody. Um, but one, one more point I want to make on the on the Madoff comparison was that, you know, initially prosecutors thought because Madoff claimed that he acted alone that it would be difficult to implicate other people. But then it was his CFO. I forgot the guy's name. I don't know if anybody remembers his CFO's name, but he was like the star witness. And um, he pled guilty to 10 counts at that time. And that's really what opened the case up and what allowed other people to be arrested in the wake um, of the Madoff situation. So I think that's inevitably going to happen here because there were other people involved. I mean, there had to be. Um, so that's really the next wave of what comes. And people who were saying like, Sam's going to like flip on a bunch of people like maybe, but I'm not sure if he's going to be the key to opening it up or if it's going to be other people just looking for a plea deal. It was Frank. Frank DePascali was the CFO for Bernie Madoff. That, that was his name. To. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and what you just, just what you said, um, SBF is the, is the key at the top, but I get, I guarantee you one of the other five beneath him, is pro you know the feds always want one insider who's just going to sing like a bird all right who will just point the fingers and will have credibility and they'll give that one person they'll they'll give that one person they're just going to charge them with one count and give them a minimum sentence and then everyone else is going to fry so the race is on right now among the six key people who who can who can cut a deal first with the feds cuz that's the person who's going to get the good deal and everyone else is going to fry for 20 years to life in this deal and um, unless I, I think that one Indian guy is already back in India. Who was it? Nishad or someone? Unless uh, I think he, 
he's already fled back to India and hope, hope I guess he's hoping that they won't extradite him back. Um, but uh, the rest of them are all going to probably fry. Or not fry. They're not going to die. Sorry, guys. Just because I've got to quickly leave, I'll please apologize for butting in. Um, I've just got a meeting and I've got to jump in, but I can come back later. If they get Nishad, they'll have everything they need. Really? That's the guy they need. I know he's in India. They need to bring him back. They need to question him. He's the guy that knows everything inside the system and knows, I mean, when we're talking about the way they were washing money and trading money in the system, he's the one that developed all the, the protocols for it. So you really need to bring Nishad back. And, and I just want to say, before you, say, before you jump off to your meeting and make sure you jump back on, I've invited your business partner, Nick. I've just named him the invite now. Um, but I just want to say to you, your, what, so the number that you had, the block, because the block, all of crypto was up in arms for the last few days when they found out about the payment to the block by SBF. But you knew yeah, this. We, we had, we had that they gave them 60 million. They gave them a 4 million. Of, look, uh, uh, the file's not in front of me and there's a lot of data. But I remember there was a cash payment. So we were told there was a certain cash payment given. There no, was no, a just, property Hussain, in the Hussain, Bahamas. Hussain, 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 just before you continue, I don't understand. You had this information. Who have you shared this information with other than us? The press, I'm you said, yeah? I've given it to heaps of reporters. I've given it to heaps of people. Anyone that asks for it has it. And the Dropbox is a live Dropbox. So what happens in the link, every time we update and every time something happens, everyone can get the updated details. So it's do you, mind, it's do you mind? Do you mind if I make it public? Let me create a specific folder for you to make public. There's a lot of things there we don't want to go public do yet. That, do, yeah, do that, man. Do okay. a folder. I want to make it public because if you've shared the block story with all these reporters and they haven't covered it, and now, and because oh, we, it was pretty serious. Honestly, so we don't lie to you. We didn't know what the block even was. It was just another no, thing. No, but reporters, the but if it was in there, reporters should know what it is. Anyone in the crypto yeah, space should know who it is. Yeah, from us, we just had them as one of the influencers that got paid money. It was either 50 or 60 million in total. Um, but that's all we had them as. We didn't even know who the block was or who's a part of the block. But it was for just anyone, another okay, part for, of for the everyone, list for of everyone money listen. they sent. Okay, based on this alone, for anyone listening, I've just retweeted the thread summarizing everything from the space we did with Hussein. I think we should start finally taking everything that Hussein and Nick said in that space and in their data room that I'll make public when Hussein gives me the link and, and gives me permission. Should take it very seriously. And any reporters that are listening, I think if you did look into the data room properly, you would have covered those stories. You would have broken that story early before anyone else. Including, especially the story oh, Mario, about the block. Mario, everything you guys are hearing now, if you go speak to CNBC or NBC News or any of the ones we worked with, us and Ben, which is BitBoy, they already had all this evidence that you guys are now discussing. And we have told them the full stories about Dan, about seeing. We even told them about the hack before the hack happened. It's just nobody reported anything. So even the close reporters we worked with, we gave them so much information, but I think they found it very hard to believe. It wasn't until after the fact that they came back to us and said, shit, it actually did happen. Um, but we actually had all the inside information early days, but even we didn't know what was real or not. I mean, let's be honest. We, we had all this data given to us by so many people. We had to go through them and try to figure out what was real, what wasn't real. And there's limited amount of information to verify what was real or not. But if you, the ones we did verify, like Singh, right, the hack, all of these were verified through people who we, we know are, are credible. And these were why we told the reporters that all of this is credible. That these guys told us everything they've said is 100% correct. They've never told us one thing that's been outside of uh, being absolutely perfect data. And uh, we gave them everything. We gave them everything on, you know, before the collapse of FTX, during the collapse of FTX, and after the collapse of FTX. There's nothing that, that's out on the market now or out on news channels that these reporters didn't have access to much earlier than everyone else.
And, and I wanna, I'm just doing a tweet to give you a big shout out and, and kind of bring awareness to that thread. Um, but you also said, and it's in that thread, that the hack, for anyone listening, you remember how um, uh, FTX was hacked in the Bahamas and we saw all that money come out. And they also said that the app should be uninstalled because there's malware on the app. Well, what, the point that Hussein is making or made in that space we did last week He's like, guys, that's not the case. The reason they wanted the app uninstalled is because they were wiping data. And that hack, while you know they took the money and he's saying it's an inside job, while they took the money, that hack was essentially a distraction as they continue wiping data. It, it was also a little bit earlier than that. We actually believe that it happened from the day they even approached CZ. Um, so it was, they were actually planning, they knew they were about to fall, they knew everything was going to be uncovered. So we believe it started on very early. We believe they did the hack when JJ took over, so they can actually say that they had nothing to do with it. They weren't in, you know, they weren't the CEO at the time and they weren't in charge. And that's why it was planned when they left and he, he basically took over and the bankruptcy went there. I mean, come on, guys, if someone's hacking a system, do you hack the system when it's got heaps of money or do you wait until there's no more money in it? So there was from day one that that whole hack was just about destroying data and you know obviously shifting and that's why you see a lot of people straight away started saying that their wallets had no more balances in there. I mean even right now the servers are down, but you'll find that when the servers come back up, you're going to get heaps of complaints about people saying that we don't actually have data. Now this brings to the enterprise accounts. Everything else we were told was true, so I think the enterprise accounts is also true. The enterprise account is the way they were actually getting around KYC and washing, uh, or when I say washing, uh, having a secondary market on FTX utilized by traders who would have you know anything from drug money to cartel money to whatever it is. I mean. That's the only thing that's left over at everything we were told that we haven't been able to prove. Everything else has been 100% spot on. So if everything else is correct, I would suggest that the enterprise accounts is what they would be deleting, and people should start looking into the system of how they ran their enterprise accounts. Having someone with one KYC issue sub-accounts uh, sub to other people, and they were utilizing that as a secondary exchange in other regions to bring volumes, but also to bring black money into the system. Jesus, man. I'm going to retweet it. I'm going to retweet it. I'm going to do a tweet again to bring awareness to everything I shared. But I really have to go. I'm running very late. Yeah, yeah. Cancel too come many back. appointments this last two come weeks. Back. I'll jump come back, back after, after the, the meeting. Yeah, yeah, come back after the meeting. See you later, guys. Thank you. Charles, Charles, what do you think, man? Uh, I mean, it's a hell of a story. You know, I, I listened to uh, CoffeeZilla's uh, interview on uh, the Lex Friedman podcast, and, you know, I've been getting reports every other day about various things in the SBF scandal. I didn't expect him to get arrested this quickly. Um, generally speaking, when you look at what's happened here, th this is not a normal financial crimes investigation. Usually if, it, if there's like a rogue trading desk at Chase or Goldman Sachs or something like that, you have a highly regulated structure with good corporate controls, good record keeping, and then you kind of have a little dark area where something happened. And uh, there, it, it's not too hard to reconstruct history. When, when you look at how SBF ran his shop, it's almost like how a mafia unit would run their shop. And so this looks a lot more like a RICO investigation, which is basically a, what you would do to go after a, a mafia-type organization where there's limited records and you have to systematically reconstruct things from scratch. Now, the DOJ and the IRS, through something called the CID, they both have very sophisticated forensic accounting groups 
who have that capacity. And what they do is they kind of climb the ladder. So they walk their way through of anybody who worked there, who was in a position to know, anybody who had records, and slowly pull the pieces back together. It, given that this arrest happened so soon, because that reconstruction is painstaking and it takes quite a bit of time, it's likely there was actually was an investigation into FDX prior to the collapse. That's the first thing that, there. The second thing is I suspect that there's a parallel investigation U.S. government is conducting looking into the Bahamas itself because there might be some incidents of uh, corruption there. Um, there's probably going to be another referral. There's a special group within the DOJ that looks into political corruption. Uh, that's where Jack Smith worked, the, uh, the special counsel that was just appointed to look at Trump. And he investigated uh, Edwards, the former VP candidate, and a bunch of Republicans and others. So there's likely going to be some referral there, too, given that there was a humongous amount of political donations uh, that got washed through. And there's usually some form of an FEC issue in addition to uh, perhaps uh, other things that are more nefarious. Uh, it, more likely than not, the entire corporate structure is going to get collapsed into the United States. You know, there's 133 companies they are all around the world, but uh, it's going to get swept up uh, because there's a substantive U.S. concern uh, to this affair. And the charges that they'll hit them with are going to be done in layers and waves. Uh, so you think like wire fraud, bank fraud, you know, even if it's just a few charges, they could carry very long sentences, decades. Um, and collectively, this could put them in jail 20, 30 years just with that initial set. Uh, but I suspect that they, they have insiders who have already provided uh, some form of information to assist the investigation and that this is something that's been ongoing for probably greater than six to nine months. In terms of the scale of it, you know, $50 billion, it's pretty amazing, you know, when you, you, you think about it. Um, there tends to be amplification when you're lending to yourself and you're creating tokens out of thin air and you're playing accounting schemes where you can make numbers look larger and then you can leverage those in a certain way. And if, if you bet right, you make a windfall. If you bet wrong, it completely wipes you out. So it would be surprising to me that he was able to aggregate that many assets unless uh, he was able to pilfer a ton of deposits, uh, but it very well could have happened. I mean, the crypto markets at one point were worth $2.6 trillion at the height of last year. At the beginning of this year, it was still $2.2 trillion. So there was a lot of book value there. It just a, it's an open question about the fiat. Uh, there's no question that there was uh, structuring and layering uh, with respect to money laundering. Uh, he had bought stuff for his parents, and a lot of people in his inner circle were getting big payoffs. And actually, the most interesting thing was the block. And this, this was something that we all suspected in the layer one community, because there were certain cryptocurrencies like Ripple, Cardano, others, and we just get brutalized in the media. And we were always wondering, why, why does the block hate us? I mean, well, we've never done anything to these guys. And then we find out, oh, well, you know, Solana is kind of SBF's uh, little thing. And, you know, anything that competes with it or, or is a challenge to it, let's go ahead and throw some money at uh, the media to write negative articles. What's more interesting is the lack of desire by the mainstream media to write about SBF. And actually, as they do the forensic accounting, there might be some very, very uncomfortable and inconvenient financial connections between SBF and mainstream media. Not necessarily to the extent of what we saw with the block, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if a few million dollars went here or there. And that's why they covered for him as long as they could and buried 
as long as they could. But this is a very challenging investigation because it's it's like a RICO case. There's going to be forensic accounting up the wazoo. It's a political case because it involves multiple jurisdictions and political donations. Uh, there was a flow of money from FTX into Ukraine. And uh, there's uh, a, a lot of factors here that are going to make things very challenging. The, the other thing is SPF made it incredibly easy for him to be prosecuted because he just went and talked to people. You know, he established a fact pattern that ran contrary to any notion of reality uh, coming here, coming other places. He just he never found an interview he didn't like. And he said a ton of things that are now in the public domain that are pr probably admissible uh, that will run contrary to records the DOJ probably already has. Uh, whether he's the ringleader or there are other conspirators, it's an interesting thing. You'd have to see the ownership structure. But uh, as Hussein said, it, this is a financial investigation, so it's very simple. You just follow the money. And there's uh, incredibly sophisticated tools, techniques, and people who literally this is all they do for a living at DOJ and IRS and other, other parts of the federal bureaucracy of the United States who are incredibly good at reconstructing records and following money. And then they're, they're going to be able to kind of rope things off. And actually, IRS in particular has a lot of sophisticated crypto tools that they license from Chanalysis and other firms. And they use those tools to basically track for um, tax evasion and money laundering. So it's very likely that that domain expertise is going to be brought in. And they're going to kind of reconcile the blockchain records that exist with the inflows and outflows. And uh, they know how to do that at this point. It's it's something that they, they have a lot of knowledge for. I suspect that if SBF gets arrested, uh, you know, as he's been arrested, there's probably going to be a, another wave of arrests that happen in another week or two. It's hard to say how many. Um, and there's just a question of how many people have already fled to extradition countries or not. Uh, the frustrating thing is this thing is going to drag on for a long time. Uh, the, it, the fact that it moves so quickly this early in uh, is uh, al also probably indication that they were worried about a flight risk, where they, they were thinking that there was a good probability that he was going to skip town and go to a place that was hard to get him, or just disappear, or maybe somebody would kill him. And so they said, well, we got to get him in U.S. custody uh, and get him somewhere where we can sit on him for a bit, and then they can slow everything down to a grinding halt. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, a trial postponed until 2024. It may actually take that long. If you guys remember Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, between when the Wall Street Journal broke the story and the company fell apart to when she went to trial, it was quite a bit of time. And there she was in the United States. It's, you know, it's a company that had much better internal controls, better record keeping. So it was pretty obvious uh, and straightforward. Here's a situation where to make things admissible in court, everything is going to require meticulous work and a chain of evidence and all kinds of stuff like that. And it was very clear that he was trying to destroy some evidence, too. They were using signal uh, with disappearing messages to communicate with each other. Uh, and it may be possible with uh, forensics to still recover some of those messages, depending upon exactly what they did. And, it's, and that's why it looks a lot more like a RICO investigation, because that's what you would expect from a criminal enterprise, like a drug cartel or you know, an arms trafficker or something like that, where they have enough operational security to have good comsec, and they, they always communicate in ways that give some notion of plausible deniability. Or even if you can get the records, it's hard to attach those back to the individual. And you can use procedural uh, kind of chicanery to 
ensure that uh, th those aren't admissible. So they got a, a long road ahead. Uh, he's got a long road ahead. The scale of this, he's probably looking at what Madoff got. I think it was more than 50 years. So I, I don't think he's ever going to see the outside of a prison cell unless um, unless he's a really oh, he, old man or one, one he's got some years. incredible political dirt. Well, well Madoff, got, what... Madoff got 150 years and he was already in his 70s. I mean, this guy, what's his name? Sam's only 30 years old. I mean, he's he'll be doing 50 years uh, of living still in prison. Uh, he's he's I don't know what, he, he's probably read. he's probably mentally just collapsing right now because he's sort of realizing, it, you know, he's never he's never going to play League of Legends ever it's again. It's so weird. I can't hear <laughs> half of you guys. I can hear some of you, but I can't yes, hear the others. It happens. It it sometimes glitches, it's Charles. So so what you yeah. can do if you want, you can drop down and drop back up, and you'll hear them. Uh, or just wait, and it should work afterwards. Um, it's, it's whatever you prefer. Uh, uh, what so, I'll, I'll just um, I just want to say one thing to add on to Charles, and then add on to what Wall Street uh, Wall Street Silver mentioned. Charles, I'll send you also my WhatsApp, so you can actually DM me whenever you want to jump back in the space you're facing difficulties. Great to have on. I mean, he's the guy who made can Cardano, and I own a lot of it. Oh yeah, uh, he was there. I, Charles was there. We had literally everybody from the space, all the leaders are there, like witnessing the implosion live from the space. From everyone, from Gabe and regulators to CZ and Jesse from Kraken and Charles and, and the founder of, of Polygon. I always forget his name. So it was a, um, is fascinating time. But uh, I just want to add yeah, on to what Charles said. There was a there was a group called there was a, a group that um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Sam created. Um, a secret group. Um, does anyone remember the name? Let me see. I had it open just now. Wire, wire um, fraud. Wire fraud. So, so Charles, they literally had a group called uh, 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 like all the executives, and that group was called Wire Fraud. I don't know if it was on Signal. It on the oh, you've got to be. You've got to be fucking kidding me. It was on WhatsApp, which is it ridiculous on because it's not <laughs> encrypted, right? I mean, that's owned by Facebook, so that's ridiculous. I, I just want a couple of quick things. First, is that. There's also a huge number, like um, there's at least seven uh, class action suits now against um, FTX and SBF, some together, some separate. Um, and a lot of the celebrities who were named as defendants in that, uh, in that one class action are filing separately. Several of them do have RICO causes of action. RICO causes of action that um, the Racketeering Act usually has uh, a collection of innocent acts that are combined together to make a criminal act. It's actually very difficult to prove. And remember, there was another company that tried to prove it, um, the Bitcoin, BMA, Bitcoin um, manipulation, something or other that tried to sue in 2019. Um, and then the case was dismissed, but it probably settled. Um, but they they had filed a RICO action against them and couldn't uh, well it didn't go to trial so we don't really know what the what the action was for that but it's actually quite difficult there is a political division that um, goes after political uh, you know um, like uh, political corruption but generally speaking that runs through the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act it's also called the FCPA that's another one that's very difficult to prove nearly all corruption in government is uh, reconciled through diplomatic, not criminal means. And then the last thing is that, um, is that Sam Trabuco looks like he's the connection between Tether, the Farmington, now Moonstone Bank, and FTX slash Alameda. He was one of the leads on Alameda with Carolyn Ellison. He left to go live on his boat. 
I don't know if you guys remember that. It was a few months ago. And that and, was that uh, was and 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 Alexander just for Sam Chabruko. That was um, uh, just about the time when Nick, who I'm, I'm I've just sent him an invite to join again. <clears throat> Nick and Hussein started investigating oh. FTX, uh, FTX and SBF. In that period, that's when Sam left. So I don't know whether it's related to that investigation because they started going deep. Like what Hussein, who was speaking earlier, and Nick did was intense. And you, know, you can see by all the things they knew before everyone else, the block, the uh, hack, the commingling of funds. Uh, they were ringing the alarm for months and months and months. Now, Charles, I'll see you on mute. Yeah, just, just real quickly. So this, to be clear, this is a standard financial investigation. My comments about RICO weren't the application 1970 RICO Act. It's just it's a RICO-style investigation in that the, the kinds of things that FTX was doing is what you would expect to see from a criminal enterprise. So you have to use a different set of investigative tools and a different set of chain of custody of evidence and, and so forth to be able to, to actually prosecute correctly. When you investigate a normal financial organization, even Enron, uh, there, there's an assumption of, of fairly good record keeping, third party auditors, um, there's a chain of command, and most people in the organizations usually follow the law. So you have an enormous amount of stuff to start with. When you investigate a criminal organization, first you usually have a low level of sophistication at the bottom tiers. And then when you get more sophisticated, you climb up the ladder, but they purposefully obfuscate things. And they make it very difficult to connect the low parts of the chain to the upper parts of the chain. So there's different investigation techniques that you use to be able to penetrate and climb that ladder. And I suspect that it's going to have to be the case here in FTX uh, after the comments in uh, the bankruptcy filing and also other things that have been revealed in, in an investigation. As for political corruption, it works kind of in three different ways. So there's corruption in that a large amount of stolen money or, or money in question was donated to political candidates. Uh, and actually, by SBF statements, he said that he donated both Democrats and Republicans publicly to Democrats and dark money to Republicans. Almost certainly somebody at the FEC is going to at least validate, look at this and try to get an understanding of whether that was lawful or not. Then there's an SCPA for Corrupt Powers Act. And that, that's you can't bribe people. And there's probably going to be some allegations, especially as people are, are pulled into the circle. that uh, There was bribery in the Caribbean or in other jurisdictions uh, so that they could get more favorable treatment. Uh, and that's a crime to SBF. As for diplomatic means, the U.S. government, you're absolutely right, typically doesn't care too much about what happens in one place or the other unless there's a substantial U.S. impact in that matter. And they're, they're few and far between, but, they're, but that's not something I think they're going to get into um, in, in that respect. You, you actually can bribe. Um, it just can't be your main course of business. I, I used to do work in the FCPA. It was an interesting period, and it's really hard to get good prosecution going um, because it has that RICO characteristic, right, which is really hard to pin down those specific actions where the crime happened because they're all disguised. And if you look at it, a lot of the disguises here happened in the fact that they approved financial transactions with emojis or through text messages that aren't properly recorded. I would like to see um, what Armanino and Pragus uh, Metier, or no, Pragus Metis, Prager Metis, which is the, uh, you know, the one, the accounting firm that they had that apparently did their audits, but have only one office and it's in the metaverse. So, uh, you know, like the choice of accountants 
is uh, it speaks a lot, honestly, in terms of um, what their intentions were, because they certainly could have afforded having one of, you know, the big three accounting firms and chose not to do that. The, my only point about the RICO um, uh, um, actions is that they're using that. Uh, several of these uh, class actions are actually trying to bring more RICO cases, which I think is really interesting. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether or not that's successful. They're nearly all, um, again, in Florida. Uh, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what the charges oh. that they bring are and how successful it is. Yeah, but in those cases, you throw everything in the kitchen sink when you file the lawsuit. And you know, a lot of these cases will be settled without litigation. But, I, I mean, it, it, Tom Brady, Giselle, you know, Kevin O'Leary, all these other people got spun into this. And they're, they're just going to maximize the level of pain until they, they kind of bite and, and then uh, cut something. So it's it's a standard practice. And I suspect that the when they have a chance to respond to these, that things will change a bit. I'm just looking at more news being shared with me here. Oh, actually, I want to I want to touch on a lot of people are messaging me to touch on what's happening with Binance as we wait for more um, more information on uh, on on SBF and his arrest. Um, Charles, you, well, I've seen the news. I haven't been able to catch up with it. Have you looked at all the um, all the 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 fud, the news about Binance in the last 24 hours? You know, people keep saying stuff about Binance. I guess there's a DOJ thing here and there. And, uh, you know, CZ is kind of the favorite political punching bag for certain people in the U.S. government. I like him. He's a friend of mine. He's always been nice to me. We've always had great cordial relationships. And uh, we've had a great time working with them as a layer one, uh, answering technical questions uh, about integration. I mean, he's got a vast empire. He vast empire. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. Sorry, no, fin I'll let you finish. And I've got just got some news about Binance that was just shared with me. Not too major, but I'll I'll mention it as soon as you're done. I mean, the thing about having a vast empire is you have thousands of people running around. You're in tons of jurisdictions. You're handling hundreds of billions of dollars of people's money, and in many cases, you can't get complete regulatory clarity over the things you'd like to get complete clarity over. So you kind of make a decision of of how how Ned Flanders you want to get. Are you going to go full Ned Flanders, half Ned Flanders, and you know, every CEO has a different preference and risk tolerance in that respect. So when you look at things like Coinbase and Kraken, they tend to be belt and suspenders. When you look at things like Binance, globally, they tend to be things like belt. Uh, and, and so it wouldn't surprise me that there's going to be some civil thing here, uh, perhaps an allegation of a criminal thing there. But it's always important to take this in context at any given day. There's some civil thing or criminal thing against J.P. Morgan Chase. There's been $19 billion of fines, including criminal uh, trials, uh, over the last 20 years against Chase. And that's the largest bank in the world. So it, it, it's always important to have context that as you grow, you tend to accumulate these things based upon your risk profile. But at the end of the day, the thing that really matters is, is there a, a valid accounting? Is there good auditing? Do they actually have customer funds they claim that they have? Is there good cybersecurity? Are there good audit controls in process? And they've been around for quite a bit of time, and they seem to have a lot of competent people there, at least from my experience working with them. Charles, any any prediction on how the impact of this XRP Ripple lawsuit is going to have? Well, that's a little off topic, but I did make a statement. I heard from a friend of mine who's in the legal circles uh, that there may be a settlement uh, or decision on the summary judgment on December 15th. I think that's before the judge goes on vacation on the 17th. If not, it's likely going to get resolved Q1, but I don't have any more information than that. It's just something so, I shared in an AMA. 
so back to talk, back to Binance. So uh, CoinDesk just announced. Let me see when it was 4:23 an hour ago. Binance endured net outflows of a billion dollars, or to be exact, 902 million dollars in the past 24 hours, according to Nansen. Um, and then crypto market makers jump trading and winter mute are among the largest withdrawers. Um, nothing major, just them being safe and playing it safe. Or uh, for me, I just see it like, you know, I, I don't see it as too major. A billion dollars is a lot of money, but considering the reports and after what happened with FTX, it's pretty it's pretty normal for players to, to, to be safe well, than be yeah, safe. Yeah, it's worth considering too, right, that Binance is, it's much, much larger than FTX, both in terms of, you know, the total volume that they're doing uh, on an average day, as well as assets under management. I think another, you know, angle to this as well, that's like really interesting is, you know, obviously CZ's ties to BNB chain from a market cap standpoint, you know, BNB chain is the third largest layer one after Bitcoin and Ethereum. You know, if you look at the history of it, it was launched as a fork of uh, uh, GetEth um, and, you know, Binance was very close to it. They've tried to separate themselves over time. But, you know, as I was telling you on the phone earlier, Mario, CZ still owns a huge chunk uh, of BNB, the token. So he could always dip into that if he needed to defend uh, Binance, the core business. And I think that is a major difference between uh, what we're seeing with Binance and FTX is that Sam didn't have his own layer one blockchain uh, that he could mobilize to protect his ex centralized exchange business. I have I have yeah. no concerns about Binance. I do want to say before Simon jumps in that the outflows in that day, in those 24 hours of 900 something million, are the biggest since November 13, which is two days after FTX filed for bankruptcy protection. So um, just something to keep in mind. Uh, again, I have, and I've been pretty, pretty supportive of Binance to date. Um, but I, I think there's just a lot. Like, has anyone looked into the auditors and their um, the the report that Zero Hedge did on the audit? Simon, did you look at that article? I did. Yeah. I mean, I I think the key thing here is that um, we don't know. Um, you know, a, a company of this size, like Binance, is is pushing some you know bigger than many banks um and so you know the 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 importance you know they are a too big to fail in crypto type of um financial institution um and so normally you'd have public standard uh you know accounts to rely upon uh but we just don't know with binance so we we could guess whatever but it, you know, the bigger the numbers, it doesn't mean that the assets and liabilities match up. Um, we don't have a full appreciation of how yield is generated. You know, is, is yield just the peer-to-peer -peer market where it's people that want to go, uh, mod, you know, short and lending to people? Or is it um, some other kind of practices? We just don't know. So um, any, anyone could guess and there's no real mechanism you know, pr proof of reserves is, is a good step forward. Um, but that's just, in fact, there's a danger of transparency that is somewhat misleading uh, because you don't know the other, the other side of the equation. Um, so, the, you know, the, the audits, um, the, the article was that they, the auditor wouldn't get behind it. It was definitely framed in a somewhat 
sensationalized way and yeah zero kind of zero way. hedge yeah just for the record zero hedge is known to as, as far as i'm aware known to sensation sensationalize whatever you however you say it to make things seem more extreme than they are just to get more attention um so yeah just want to make that clear as well i mean yeah. if we look at the wall street journal article um we saw that the asset there was around a 245 million dollar discrepancies um based on like the, the bitcoin price at the current time but i guess the thing with uh i guess the thing with a lot of this this Binance stuff is until we get like full transparency on all this stuff, I don't think anyone can feel like 100% comfortable. And that's not to fud Binance because I like, like you, Mario, I'm a big proponent of Binance and CZ's always been very nice and I support Binance, trade on Binance. But I don't think we can like sit here and say that we're 100% comfortable and things are 100% transparent because I mean, they're clearly not. But what I will say is them taking that next step, next step forward to initialized proof of reserves that is a good sign at least from an optics perspective that at least they're trying to be more transparent um but until proof of but did they i have a i have a question did did they have a choice because cz came on this show and then hours later he, i think he, he tweeted about the proof of reserves did they have any any choice after ftx the second like everyone lost faith and everything remember then remember the spaces we had where we didn't know who to trust anymore yeah like, we, we, it was is insane times. So, yeah, I, I don't know. We used to, to have we used to have something in our industry, and it seems to have disappeared a bit. It was um, it was created by Trace Mayer. Tone will remember um, proof of keys, and so every February, um, everyone used to withdraw their their coins from an exchange to get it so low. Um, this was before there was like excessive leverage, um, but we we used to all withdraw our, um, anything from an exchange to to test. Uh, whether they could meet it, and uh, you know what happened? Proof... You know what's happened over the years? It's it's the fact that re the retail component of crypto has got so much bigger, and kind of the original ethos that a lot of us had back then. And I only joined 2017-18, but even beforehand, like the ethos people had was a lot more kind of um, geared towards Bitcoin, and you know, not your keys, not your coins. But what happened was 2019, 2020, obviously 2021, a lot of retail came into the market the easiest way to onboard those users is through exchanges. So I think like the ethos of, of that period was kind of lost a little bit. And then people just started, yeah, I guess speculating on a lot of exchanges. exchanges and kind of, kind of, I'm getting some backlash. But, um, yeah, things, things kind of deteriorated in that sense as you get more retail participants uh, in. Uh, just quickly before I give the mic to Tara and Alexandra. And Alex, I think there's some reports the team is sending. So I'll, I'll let you go through it. I'll forward it to you now. Um, and Charles, I've sent you through my Telegram. If you ever want to DM me, if you're having technical issues, you want to jump into the space, uh, you can hit me oh, up. Oh, I can. On uh, I, I, I can hear you now. Oh, perfect. Um, so, just for the audience, uh, two things, two important developments. Uh, for anyone that's not doesn't know, Mark Andreessen is coming on the show tomorrow. So, go on my profile. You'll see the tweet there, and I'll pin it above in a bit uh, to set your reminders. Also, we just had. So, as you know, the next drop, the 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 leaks by Elon of the Twitter files, uh, or the drops. Um, the next one will be covering censorship during COVID. Um, and obviously, it's a very sensitive topic. So I'm trying to get all the best uh, doctors um, on stage. And we have Dr. Drew coming in. We have a whole bunch. Dave Asprey just confirmed about five minutes ago that he'll be coming in. Uh, we have a board member of Pfizer, which I've, I'm sure a lot of people will hate, um, that's coming in as well um, to get a really good discussion going on. So it's going to be on Thursday will be the first discussion among a, a, a series of shows. So make sure you, you set your reminders for that as well. Um, Tara, uh, thanks a lot for joining us. It's been a while. You're happy with the news? 
It's been so long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Poor Mario. I don't know how you ever rest uh, between all of this breaking news and then Twitter files. I feel like they're doing this to you on purpose to ensure that you never sleep again. Uh, but wonderful job. Amazing space. Uh, I wanted to also just really quickly on the Twitter files, or I'm sorry, the COVID uh Fauci files, whatever you want to call them that are, you know, potentially dropping tomorrow. Um, I wanted to ask you if there's any way to get some of the doctors who were banned previously, if they've been reinstated or if other people could have them kind of call in on their line on Twitter to uh, join the space as well, because I know several amazing doctors were uh, banned from Twitter for you know, questioning certain certain narratives during that time. Yeah, please, so please send them through. If you know any of them, hit me up on Telegram. I'd love to. I'll send them to the team. And I know the team is Perfect. getting a list of doctors from from uh, all different uh, you know sides of the aisle because um, there's more than two on this topic. Uh, but yeah, pl please do send them through. Um, and yeah, appreciate and, you being here. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah, just really quick in regard to the whole SBF arrest. And yes, I am happy. I am happy that he's been arrested. I think that, you know, he should be uh, after everything that's gone on. I'm just curious, do you guys suppose that the timing of this is just coincidental in the fact that he was supposed to testify in front of Congress tomorrow? And maybe this is something you've already talked about. I just thought I'm it was very strange timing. I'm surprised. Yeah, that's why I was surprised because I'm there's no incentive for them to arrest him prior to testimony. Uh, you, you'd, you'd want him to go under oath before Congress because the best case scenario, he doesn't say anything problematic, but the, the more likely scenario is because of his pattern of behavior, uh, Congress would tear him apart and they would discover an enormous amount of additional information uh, that but can could be used against him in a prosecution. So that's my question, and I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, but could that information be detrimental to the actual, uh, you know, where he's at in the Bahamas? Could it be detrimental to that government there to the point that they've detained him in order to not allow him to, my, you know, my respect, testify? My understanding is that the Bahamas arrested him at the request of the U.S. government in preparation for extradition from okay. the, um, the the letter that they posted. Um, I, I think the probably the reason why they arrested him is that they got some information that he's potentially a flight risk and they wanted to scoop him up before he fled to a different jurisdiction because probably he was aware that there was no way out and there is an active investigation and uh, you know his family is super well connected so someone may have leaked that to him and maybe he was preparing to leave and he was under surveillance and they realized that so they decided that they had to get him but it made no sense the timing of the arrest i figured they would have arrested him the day after the congressional hearing at the very least yeah that, that's a very alex alex sorry go ahead Tom. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, because he agreed to do it. So, I mean, and maybe he agreed on paper, but then behind the scenes, like you said, Charles was, was a flight risk. So, uh, which it's great to run into you again, Charles. I'm so glad to see you in here and joining this, this discussion. Um, but yeah, I think that that's the whole thing is what came first, kind of like the chicken or the egg, because was he a flight risk? So they did this, but he agreed to do the testimony. I don't know. It's just very odd timing to me that it's happening the day before or is there a potential that he could still uh do a, a zoom testimony while in jail in the bahamas or be extradited quickly so. here yeah. they, 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 
And they've got a better chance of forcing him to comply with the subpoena if he's under arrest. If he's under arrest at the behest of the government, then he will testify before Congress. If there was a chance that he wasn't going to testify before Congress, that is probably the reason that they chose this particular time. But remember, he actually did flee to Argentina before and then came no, back. No, he did. no, he didn't. That, that was a false that lead. Was- he, he- he wasn't oh, in Argentina. That was reported in a couple of the newspapers. That was, was, yeah, so we were, we were watching there. it. Didn't yeah, so uh, I'll give the news, Alexander, what happened. It was during our space that we watched. So someone came up and said that there was uh, his jet, so the license of his jet, and there's a tracker that tracks jets, said his jet actually went to the Argentina. Now, whether it's a jet he lent, maybe it's a mistake, or someone took his jet, we don't know. But yeah, he never ended up going to Argentina. But the question I wanted to ask as well is, um, Charles, you talked about him potentially, and obviously it's pure, pure speculation, but um, it makes sense Like if he was planning to leave um, the Bahamas. But like we know um, from Hussein, who's been, again, the person that's investigated, Hussein Nick investigated Sam more than anyone. I'll try to bring up Nick up on stage. He's glitching a bit. Uh, we know that he's probably sitting on billions based on the amount of money that they funneled out. And we know his parents are pretty well off. We know he's really well connected with politicians. So my question is, why was he still in the Bahamas? Was it as Martin Shkreli said, it just took him a while to, to, to for all this to he, hit him, he, to know that he's in deep shit? Sorry. The Bahamas, the, the police in the Bahamas. Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, and that's probably why there's a lot uh, more Silver, to the story than we're yeah, aware. Sorry, quickly, Charles. Silver, yeah, I don't think Charles can hear you, Silver. So what I'll do is I'll bring you down and back up, Silver. So maybe it should fix the issue. Sorry, Charles, I'll did let you, you speak while I fix the glitch. In here? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, I usually don't call that. I don't go that people in the audience just not to make him feel uncomfortable. But yeah, David would love you to come up. <laughs> uh, feel free to request to speak. Um, but I yeah, think I'll, Charles can explain uh, what what he was just saying. Let let him let him go first. He may as well. Yeah. So so, uh, so, so I, I this is why I think there's a lot more to the story than we were aware of, uh, because it, honestly, he had a window of time to facilitate some mechanism to get to Dubai or get to a country that at least it's extradition difficult. Uh, And the fact that he stayed for so long and seemed to have this aura of confidence that not only was he going to survive this, but actually have an opportunity to be an entrepreneur again. And he attended the New York Times uh, summit and all these other things. It's just, it's just very bizarre. It's, It's almost as if he was getting very poor information from somebody for example, maybe somebody was leading him on, making him believe that uh, there was no risk. It almost reminds me of um, Epstein. When he was arrested the first time, he had this confidence when he was in Florida in the jailhouse. And, you know, he would just walk around naked and sleep with his lawyer. And, you know, he just believed he was God. But then when he got arrested the second time, uh, shortly before he died, uh, he, he was terrified. And he realized the, the gravity of the situation. So I, I, I think there's definitely some shadow elements we haven't quite seen yet that uh, will materialize over the course of the investigation, the story of why he didn't run. Because uh, any rational actor, I- I- given all the evidence here, given how much money is involved, and just the safety risk of, you know, you've stolen tens of billions of dollars from a lot of different people. Not all of those are the nicest people in the world. It is not safe to be sitting in the Bahamas. I mean, look at Haiti uh, with the president being assassinated. Things can happen in these areas very quickly and very easily for not a lot of money. 
So I, I, it's just unfathomable to me that uh, he decided to camp out for so long without without some guardian angel he thought was going to protect him. Alex, I've just sent you through some news. If you want to quickly check my WhatsApp, keep an eye out on it. And the breaking news group, there's some information shared. So I'll let you go through it and maybe share it with the audience once you read it. Is that okay, Alex? Alex, uh, Alex V? Yep, take well, that, that doesn't Perfect. need to be the, the sensationalized explanation as well. I mean, he had a business there. Um, the country was there, like really giving support to our industry. They were creating custom regulations. Um, they were taking it, uh, you know, very seriously. Um, it was a, it was a, a jurisdiction that supported our industry, um, and uh, and he was still there. Um, you know, we I think we came to the conclusion that um, if you if you know that you're in trouble and you know you're being extradited, then um, Someone on this call said that uh, there's a, a different type of protection if you get extradited versus being in the U.S. Uh, when you get arrested. So it's just weird. Uh, it's, it's just weird. Uh, before I go to Wall Street Silver, it's just weird, uh, Simon. That it's. Um, I, I just I still can't can't figure out why he hasn't left beforehand. Um, I know I'm well, I mean, probably simplifying if you, some of this if you uh, if you're in trouble and you're ready to face your trouble. Um, so he then comes on and, and gives the whole I'm innocent act. Uh, as yeah, but, see, but he knows, he knows. But you know, not, not everyone that's in trouble is going to flee the country. That gets you, you know, no one want, not everyone wants to become a fugitive. What's the alternative, man? He's looking at you, 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 like 50 to 100 you, years in prison, man. It's crazy. You can see the red pill. Mario, can I... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for, for fixing the okay. glitch. Go ahead. Man. This, is, this is Jim Lewis with Wall Street Silver. You know, Alameda, um, Caroline, when all this went down initially, she was in Hong Kong. And if you guys will remember, in the past re recent history, they moved Alameda's headquarters from the Bahamas to Hong Kong. And extradition is much more difficult from China than it is the Bahamas. So one of the and essentially Alameda, we, we, we refer to this as a different company. But when you say Alameda, you have to think that's 90 percent Sam Bankman Freed. All right. That was his little personal trading account. It wasn't a hedge fund with other clients. It was his money. Right. And what I think was probably the plan was they saw this coming. She was in Hong Kong to get established there. And he was probably eventually going to follow and, and base himself in Hong Kong, um, which is a much better jurisdiction to fight. Uh, I mean, they, I looked it up. They still do have a an extradition treaty, but sliding from Hong Kong over into China or any number of Asian countries that don't have uh, 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 extradition treaties with the United States would have been much easier. So I suspect that was the plan was to get out of the Bahamas and and re-establish uh, in Hong Kong. And I'm shocked that she came back to New York City. When I saw That's that crazy. Caroline That's was, crazy, yeah. you know, grabbing coffee across the street from the U.S. Attorney's Office in New York City a few days ago, my, the only reason that she would have to give up the safety of her already, she was already in Hong Kong, probably with hundreds of millions of dollars at her disposal. The fact that she was in New York City just told me immediately She's the one who flipped first, and she probably yeah. started singing like a singing like a bird because her parents got to her. She's 27, and they said, "Look, you got to cut a deal. The first one who cuts the deal gets the best deal." 
and you'll have a life after this after you serve a minimum sentence of, I don't know, five to seven, uh, probably five years with good behavior. And then she can go on in her early 30s and still have a life. But um, the other man, I can't, I can't, I silver, I, I, I can't wait for the movie, man. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it. But um, the fact I, when all this plays out, mark my words, she's the one who was singing. She's pointing to where all the skeletons are buried. Um, She's the one who's, who's helping to, she's helped the FBI and the justice department. They always want an insider who just helps them reconstruct. If they have to reconstruct it on their own without the help of an insider, it is 10 times more difficult. But if they have someone like Caroline or one of the others who can guide them and tell them, you know, where to go and what to look at and explain the, explain the codes, someone who might actually still have copies of all the text messages. Um, if they have that person helping them on the inside, it just makes the case monumentally easier uh, for them to prosecute. And so that's why one of them will get a good deal. And I suspect it's Caroline. And just to kind of jump in on that Wall Street Silver, um, this is what Mario is pinging me about. You know, one of the reasons perhaps why Sam felt confident staying in the Bahamas is that as part of the bankruptcy documents, uh, there was an email thread uh, that was leaked between Sam and some of the Bohemian regulators. And in that, uh, you basically see confirmation that Uh, And I quote from the email, we would be more than happy to open up withdrawals for all Bahamian customers on FTX so that they can tomorrow fully withdraw all of their assets, making them fully whole. So maybe, you know, he thought that he was going to get some sort of um, like, you know, bribery deal there where he would be protected by the Bahamian regulators in exchange for allowing uh, Bahamian customers to be the first out. And so maybe that's another wrinkle in this of, you know, he thought he was going to be protected and, you know, he was actually misled. I recall back on like date right after that whole story with the Argentina airplane flight just turned out to be wrong. And then there was proof that he was actually still this is like day two or three when everyone was freaking out um, that the Bah there was a report that the authorities in the Bahamas had visited him and they told him you're not authorized to leave the country of the Bahamas while we're doing this investigation. And I don't know if, you know, maybe they, they grab his passport or other documents that make it much more difficult uh, at that time. But uh, there were reports at that time that the local authorities in the Bahamas were preventing him from leaving during the investigation. That's why he probably has not fled in the past month. That's just my suspicion. Yeah, I don't know. He had enough money to flee. Um, uh, Meta Law, I'll give you the mic right after Alexander because I know you have some information to share about Binance, which to me is, in my opinion, a, a bigger topic, um, a more important topic. But Alexandra. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, we can talk about Binance. Um, the one thing that I wanted to mention now is I really, uh, we were talking earlier about what was going on uh, with Binance and FTX and you can't trust anybody. And really what I think the major issue is that the transparency that we preach is only available for the user's transactions. We don't really have transparency, particularly with centralized exchanges. We need to get proof of reserves, proof of code, proof of liquidity, and don't confuse the three, the three things together because right now, uh, people mix them up as if they're the same thing. Like even what was it Brian Armstrong called um, uh, 
Binance's uh, pr proof of reserves, he confused it with proof of liquidity. These are different things. And these are really important concepts. We are not demanding enough of people. We need to demand, look, if you say that this is transparent, it can't just be our transactions that are transparent. It has to be theirs as well. And granted, decentralization is not a point in time. It is a process. But as it's moving towards the process, Things have to be forcibly revealed um, unless, you know, there's a voluntary revelation of information by the people who are in charge. I really want FTX to not be about, oh, this scandal happened or that scandal happened. We've had so many. We're exhausted. We don't need more Alex Mashinsky's and, and people who look like they would be a financial genius when, in fact, the people who are calling them financial geniuses apparently are completely unaware of what a financial genius actually is. They just know where it seems to come from. And I, I want all of us to take this information and say, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? What is going to make this not happen again? At the very minimum, it's that we need transparency where it matters, not the user base. It's it's the centralization. That's what needs the, the transparency. If you want to have a controlling stake, fine. But be clear about what you're doing. Don't claim that you have transparency when, in fact, there's one person controlling everything instead of the group of people that they claim. Or money can be shifted easily between parties. This is something that makes me extremely angry. And, this and, is and I've, got, I've got some breaking news quickly, Alexandra, to add on to what you're saying. And I'd love your take on it as well, Alexandra, is that we – so that's by Gurbir Growal. Uh, I don't know Gurbir. Does anyone know who Gurbir Growal is? Let me check. Probably the Bahamian authorities. No. We commend, yeah, yeah. So Bahamian regulator, chief regulator, or something. So we we commend our law enforcement partners for securing the arrest of SBF on federal criminal charges. Now he adds the following, and let me know if that's serious. Peter is was on stage a few seconds ago, um, but uh, Alexandra he, he says the following: the SEC has authorized separate charges relating to his violations of securities laws to be filed publicly tomorrow in SDNI, SDNY. So I, I don't think that's surprising, um, but just thought it'd be worth adding. And, and Mr. Growal is an American attorney and prosecutor who served as, this, as the attorney general for the state of New Jersey. So yeah, former attorney general of, of uh, New Jersey, not sure what he's doing now. Um, Was that yes, the guy that gave the SEC charges are civil charges. The okay. DOJ covers the criminal side. It's not unusual to have both sides, um, to have both civil and criminal charges. <laughs> but these are not actually just um, the criminal. So uh, when the SEC has both criminal and civil charges, they will siphon off the criminal part to DOJ. DOJ's charges, though, it sounds like, are completely separate from the security side. So there may be additional charges for the DOJ. That's the thing that you take from here is that there may be additional criminal charges as well as these civil um, SEC charges. And uh, Orbis, you've made a comparison. Uh, you jumped off the space to make a comparison for us with uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his name, Orbis? Madoff. Uh, Madoff. 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 Bernie Madoff. Um, so, can you tell us um, the charges um, towards Sam compared to Bernie? Yes. So I just pinned a tweet up there, and Bernie, as we know, was sentenced to 150 years 
um, of imprisonment. And uh, in the thread on the second tweet, you can see what were the 11 counts and how much was the maximum. Now I'm looking at the maximum sentences for uh, for the crimes that uh, right now, you know, SBF is being booked for. And remember, these sentences are for a single count. Now, in U.S., double jeopardy, and we have lawyers here, so, you know, they can provide better explanation. But double jeopardy uh, prevents you from being charged by the same state twice for the same crime. But you could be charged for different counts of the same crime in different states. So we need to keep that in mind. And also, the the judge could actually order the sentences to be served consecutively or the sentences can be served at the same time concurrently. So I don't know if there are any restrictions or limitations around what is uh, done in what scenario. But if we look at consecutive sentences, then we can see that uh, that SBF could actually be convicted for 120 years. So his uh, he can be convicted for 30 for 20 to 30 years for wire fraud he can be convicted for 20 years for wire fraud conspiracy so conspiracy is when you also um, you know engage you basically motivate others to participate in the fraud or you know you scam them similarly for securities fraud and securities fraud conspiracy it could be 25 years each and these are again the maximum sentences uh, given the enormity of the impact and as wall street also said earlier there's a good high possibility that he could be back booked for the maximum sentences and finally for money laundering you could have 20 years but in bernie madoff's case for money laundering he was charged for three separate counts of money laundering and his statement uh, his sentence in all was 150 years now if we look at the maximum sentences today for all of these frauds we can see that it's already 120 years and uh, Again, back to what Alexandra said that, you know, he could be booked for other offenses, too. So we are looking for like four lifetimes of jail possibly and would love to hear, um, you know, love to hear others thoughts on this. There's there's a very complicated, you know, federal sentencing score point system. Uh, and there's all sorts of additional points that get added on based on the size of the crime, the number of dollars involved. Um, there, there's extra enhancements, extra points, and you know, a, a, you you could have all these all those same charges, but the total dollar amount could be you know five hundred thousand dollars. Well, someone who does exactly the same charges, but with a five hundred thousand dollar crime, is only going to get you know I don't know five or ten years. Not they're not going to get one hundred fifty years. It's the it's the sheer scale of the size with the number of victims and the billions and billions of dollars. That's what's going to eventually push the sentencing way up into the, you know, 50 to 150 years, which is what happened with Madoff. It's what ha- the big ones where you're talking hundreds of millions. I mean, th- those guys go away for a long time. This isn't going to be a, a slap on the wrist five to 10 years unless unless Sam has someone higher up. He can point to as the real the real crook here. Sam, Sam Sam's going to be the one who's the top one who they go after. There's a breaking news here from Unusual Wales. It says here that the SEC has charged SBF with violations of securities laws. Whoops. 
God damn. Yeah, I just yeah, shared that with Mario. You just shared that? Do you think Kevin O'Leary doubles down, or this is the point of... Oh okay. yeah, we, it, yeah, I swear. If is it is it odd, Simon? You're you're always pretty objective on things, and everyone's hating on Kevin like crazy. Is it so? Kevin was paid fifteen million dollars to be a spokesperson, which is insane of a number, even for someone like Kevin. That's a crazy number. And I've I've been in discussions and, and with in negotiations with Kevin, trying to get him as a as an advisor for NFT Tech, a, a public company, and we're not even we're not talking about those types of numbers. <laughs> so not even close. So. Um, do you? Th- what's your take on him still mildly supporting Sam on 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 various media outlets? Is it just his pure opinion? Could be his opinion. Maybe he genuinely thinks I, like Ackman. Yeah, but like I me, think, genuinely um, thinks. He's- so um, I, I, he's also the spokesperson for a company I invested in, Start Engine, um, as well. Um, for I, I got a couple of things on that. Firstly, you reach a stage in life where. Um, you know, being paid to be a spokesperson or promote something just isn't worth the risk anymore. Um, and so I, I don't quite understand, like, it, yeah, once you reach a certain stage, whether that money's worth it. So, um, and so, yeah, you know, that's that's that one. But I think he's just doubling down. I think he was, you know, firstly, he obviously built a relationship, took the 15 million. He probably thinking about, Maybe if I defend this for the right period of time, it won't look like I took the proceeds of crime, depending on where it goes. Maybe a bit of denial, um, hoping that it might work out. Uh, but yeah, I think I think he was just continuing to do his job of what he was paid fifteen million to do, um, and uh, and now he's just reached the point where okay, I, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to reverse my position here, Charles. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I ran into Kevin uh, before all this broke down in Dubai. Uh, we were both at the, the World Government Summit uh, there, and I, I was actually on a panel with him. And then I, I talked to him for a bit. And, and, you know, he was just shilling Solana and these other things like crazy. And, oh, you know, Cardano's crap. And, and it didn't really seem like he had a lot of depth to it. So I said, oh, okay, well, it looks like he's been sponsored. And then I ran into him again, actually, in Washington, D.C., at Perry Ann Boring's um, conference. Uh, I think he just you file this guy under the greedy, useful idiot uh, category where, you know, he he has a long history of monetizing his brand and name. And uh, he thought that FTX was low hanging fruit, a useful thing to attach his brand reputation to. He's like, OK, unless it's made off, you know, it's it's going to be safe. It's going to be fine. And it's a quick, cool, easy 15 million to make. Uh, and uh, he's probably got some ancillary business that he was able to monetize uh, through the industry. And now I think he's honestly panicking because he's in a situation where not only does he have class action lawsuits, it's created an enormous amount of brand reputation damage, tarnish to him and his entire persona as this brilliant business guy who's always making good deals and properly vets people. Uh, So uh, I think he has no option right now other than to try to support SBF and FTX as much as he can, but at some point he's going to have to cut them loose. And that's likely going to occur during the class action lawsuits where people get a lot more honest during the discovery process and under oath uh, and uh, and these other mechanisms. So there's going to be a lot of this. And it's, it's the same with Tom Brady and Giselle. They, they look more like victims 
who were taken in and they, they honestly believed um, he was going to do great things. And they put a lot of their personal money, I heard, um, into the exchanges, and they likely have lost everything. So maybe that even broke up the marriage. Who knows? Uh, so I, I, I think every celebrity is a little different, but it really looks like O'Leary was just given a check, and it was just kind of like a super cameo. You pay $1,000 on cameo, and he'll make a video for you. Uh, here, I guess the going rate for your Ponzi scheme is $15 million for O'Leary. <laughs> yeah, he definitely, if you, if you trace his... Um his interviews he definitely you know slagged off the competition from the companies that weren't paying him and really backed the companies that were paying him so i i don't think there was any integrity behind his endorsements it was just simply a a company that he thought was decent that was willing to pay the check and therefore if you if if he'd be willing to slag off the competition and do whatever it takes for the company that has paid his check so i think it's just a classic a classic bought, um, you know, but you, you have to be as someone that invests in the industry, like when, when, you know, I invested in Celsius and you have to, you have to, you know, admit when you've made a mistake and, um, and you have to come out and call it out. You, you can't just double down. He's um, digging like, yeah, if he just fucked up and he admitted it early on, he wouldn't be in the position he's in now. I'm actually going to check the website there's a, a business, uh, another public company that Kevin O'Leary accepted being advisor of. I know them really well. They've been on our stage. Um, I'm going to check out their website. I'm not going to call them out. I want to see if they kept Kevin O'Leary as an advisor on their website after what happened. I'm going to check right now because that was like their crown jewel, getting Kevin O'Leary as an advisor. And he got a big piece to the company as well. Great company, great team. Um, that's why I don't want to call them out. But let me check if he's For on bastards. their team. Look, um, Kevin's also an investor in Circle, right? We know that Circle's going to be and doing really well. Someday. Yeah, but he he seems to go a bit further than just investing. He seems to go that I invest and I also get paid to endorse, which to me is a step too far. Like, there's there's one thing investing, but investing and getting paid. You know, there seems some there seems something a bit a bit strange about that. I'll go to Hussein. I'm going to go, Alexander, I'm going to quickly go to Hussein because he just joined us back. Hussein, what's your thoughts on Kevin O'Leary's involvement? And because I know you've talked about him before anyone mentioned him. Um, what's your thought? Why, why do you think he's still supporting Sam? Is it just pure? Okay. Is he genuine about it? No, I think what you guys are saying is how Kevin joined the space. Now, I think Kevin realized that there was a scam going on in the background that I can make a lot of money on. So I'm just going to go through how we pieced this together. So obviously, Kevin O'Leary wasn't there when Sam first started. Um, Sam and Kevin became very close, and Sam realized that if they controlled exchanges, they, and he had yeah, obviously his own exchanges, that he could actually make a substantial amount of money like, uh, obviously, uh, he thought SBF did. So I think he took that as an advantage, and then they linked them, basically him and Justin and um, sorry, and, and Sam, and then they came up with an idea of actually creating this larger network together but I think initially he came in not knowing, but then during his journey, he actually realized that there was a really good scam to make money off this. And he actually wanted a piece of the action. And that's why he started investing in his own exchanges. So although I think that what you are saying, yeah, at, at the initial start. He'll be back. We lost you. But he, he was, remember, he was the, he was a, a, a crypto critic. He was, he was, he was literally coming out and saying how he hates our industry um, and until he met SBF and got paid, he, he switched from hating crypto to loving crypto. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb. I think it wasn't the actual 
sorry, I think it wasn't the actual 15 million that he's interested in. I mean, Kevin, I mean, it's 15 million to him. I think Kevin was interested in becoming the next SPF and having the same power, what he thought at that time was what SPF was able to do and, and actually have his own exchanges, his own networks and create much more, I mean, wealth. I and mean, this guy was after billions. He wasn't after I millions. Have, uh, sorry, sorry, I, have a, I have a question for you and I'm going to go on a limb here and, and I don't like making, I'm not making any accusation, just speculation based on everything you've said. We're seeing a lot of people that were involved in, in everything FTX uh, Sam is doing either stay silent or support him behind the scenes. Is it possible that Kevin is worried about Sam saying things that couldn't get Kevin into trouble? A hundred percent. From day one, that's, that's our thoughts. I mean, the only person that can take Kevin down is the close relationship he had with SPF. And uh, so forget about, we, we know that, well, we suspect that Kevin and SPS have direct relationships. So it wasn't there was a third party between them. So the only person that can snitch on uh, Kevin and actually say what Kevin knew and Kevin's involvement is Sam. So if he says anything outside, yes, there might be a deal cut where Sam uh, Sam starts putting all the other guys on the chopping board. Uh, that's, I mean, we're, we're, uh, do, you, do, you have, do you have any evidence Again, from all your all the investigation you did, is there anything indicating to to Kevin's involvement beyond the liquidity pool they're creating, where he knew they're doing something wrong and he was still involved, or he himself did things that are a bit shady? No, there is none. There is none. The only thing we have is the same people that told us about the other stuff, told us about this thing that they're developing. Um, but really, we couldn't. That's why I said it was speculative in all the channels. There's no way we can prove it. The only one that can prove this is SBF coming out and saying, "Yeah, he, he knew." It's the same as when Caroline says SBF knew. I mean, the only people that can actually put light or shed light on this thing is the inner circle. Nobody. There is no proof. There is no way you're going to get proof unless the inner circle comes out and says, yep, this is true. Uh, uh, Silver? Yeah, as far as criminal charges, I think it's just going to be Gary Wang, Constance Wang, uh, Caroline Ellison, Nishad, Sam Trabuco, and maybe the auditor. Those are the, those are going to, and I don't know, maybe the parents, because I got to think Sam's parents, if someone puts a couple, you know, tens of millions of dollars of assets in your name in the Bahamas, you know, parents are going to ask some questions as why. So I, I, I don't think the parents are free and clear um, either here. And I suspect <sighs> there's probably tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars that they're probably going to be able to trace to some offshore corporations and other assets uh, that they've parked in the parents and Sam's names, other entities. So if they see more assets in the parents' names, I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, it's it's like, it, uh, I, I don't know who else. But, who I mean, else but the family There's one more that you forgot. There's Dan, Dan Friedberg is another key person who I guarantee you, once they enter this, there's no way Dan's coming out, Dan's coming out this clean. It's just impossible. Oh. Oh yeah! The, Any, um, anyone the, who, anyone the, who was the, taking the, millions the, of dollars. There's news. There's news on that though. Just that exact thing. Uh, an hour ago, it came out that the um, that the parents at Stanford Law School are now uh, being investigated, and I think that they were. Uh, what is it called? Hold Not on, hold on. Did that just? Sorry, Alexander. Did that just come out now? Yeah, that was from an hour ago. Uh, it's in the New York Times, and an, and it was an hour ago, and it said. Is that Sam's parents or someone else? Yeah, being invested. His parents. The. The headline is the parents in the middle of FTX's collapse. The FTX founder, Sam Bankman frieds mother and father who teach at Stanford Law School are under scrutiny for their connections to the son's crypto business. And um, apparently, the, I mean, this is about what exactly they they did and 
and whether or not they're under um, investigation. I, I thought that I'd read, I actually was on here just trying to figure out, I think I'd read that they were um, uh, suspended from Stanford um, pending this investigation, like from the bankruptcy. I don't know if there's, if something else has happened, um, but apparently they used their connections uh, to um, expand FTX's reach uh, there are some family relationships as a political consultant that expanded things even further. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting to see what their connection was, because I think I mean, at least my my thought ahead of time was that they um, they were just kind of like, oh, he's our son. You know, my, my you know, we're so proud of him and he tells us to do these things. And what do we know? We're just professors. But it looks like they were really active in this. So that should be interesting. And I would like to see what they have to say about that guy. Um, um, like McEnany or McEnany, he was one of the 10 uh, roommates. He was the guy who lives in the UK, who's this 35-year-old philosopher who started the whole, um, the altruism, effective altruism movement. And his whole thing was about ethics in, um, in uh, finance. And he's the one who apparently was like supposed to be the ethical source of everything in this. And, uh, but he helped design um, the high yield trading that is what started getting them in trouble. So it's very, I think there's more people that will still be um, involved in this, but you just asked about that. So I wanted to mention it. Yeah, I just got the article now. Someone sent it to me. Uh, if you can pin it above the parents in the middle of the FTX collapse, the parents of Sam are under scrutiny. Okay, they're under scrutiny, but they're under investigation. I'm just opening it up now. Look, if they received ten, they, there's already been reports they received tens of millions of dollars. They're under scrutiny. Just to be clear, they're yeah. under scrutiny. They're not under yeah. investigation. Just to be clear, yeah. okay. I'll meet, I'll well, they, they they often don't announce who's who's actually. Uh, but anyways, the um, being in receipt of that much money, uh, I think is there. There's there's more than enough evidence there uh, to to take a much deeper look at at, at them. Uh, now, if you go back I, I to that article, they're they're no longer on the Stanford uh, roster, by the way. Oh, so. I'm not surprised. Uh, yeah, before thanks. I go to Orbis, uh, Hussein, um, uh, involvement of his parents. Uh, do you think you were pretty critical of his parents, and you did mention that the that Friedberg, whatever his name is, was also the lawyer for Sam's parents, and they? You think there's a possibility that they were even pulling many other strings? Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, for the first place we jumped on with you, we were very clear that we thought that the parents were highly involved. So we thought Dan Dan was sitting underneath the parents, so the parents had Dan look after Sam, and Dan was the person that was executing everything. And in terms of the article you were speaking about, it actually came out a couple of days ago. Um, a few days ago, they actually announced the, uh, that these parents were actually not investigated, but being scrutinized by the, uh, the unit. So it, it's actually now been out for a few days. But yeah, yeah oh, we, we believe the parents I do, were very I do have Nick on stage as well, finally, after trying for last hour. Nick, what do you think of the news? For anyone that doesn't know, Nick works with Hussein, and they're responsible for that long investigation that probably you know, will play the biggest role outside of what um, authorities are doing in uh, incriminating Sam. Nick, yeah, thank what do you, you think of all this? What do you have to you add? You guys have raised a whole lot of stuff. It's very interesting. But can we go on Kevin O'Leary? Um, Charles uh, seemed to indicate a very sort of uh, subdued role uh, that's not our view. Our view is he's uh, very much up the uh, hierarchy. And if you notice that um, he's, he, his messages to try to get on the credit committee, 
which is very important because he's also he, he, his other angle was to control the the expenses and the fees of these naughty um, bankruptcy lawyers because um, because it's through the bankruptcy that you're going to get your primary investigation. So he wants to steer the investigation so it doesn't reveal too much. Um, yeah, unless you yeah, have you guys uh, covered that enough? Uh, not really. So, so what's the point you're making? Uh, okay. You, you well, think... well, traditionally, traditionally, if you're a government authority, you want you want as, as as much of the investigative work and expense associated to be done by the uh, the bankruptcy court, right, uh, and paid for by them uh, through the funds that are available. So, um, Kevin O'Leary wants to get on the credit committee, which controls the we call them liquidators. You don't know what you guys call them. The, 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 the uh, the bankruptcy court and get wants to get on the credit credit committee and um and and steer you know like no no we don't need to look at this we don't need to look at that or we can only spend this much on that or that's a waste of time looking over there that sort of thing so we can steer the um by being on the credit committee and through complaining about fees to steer the investigation into the directions he wants it to go that's his luck yeah if he, if he gets if he get if they let him on the committee that. I'd be amazed, but if they do, that's so corrupt. There's no way they could let him on the committee with his conflict. How, how much influence can he have if he's on the so committee? So I, I wasn't allowed on the Celsius committee because I was a shareholder and creditor and uh, and all the other. And, stuff, and what's but... what? How, but what does the committee do? Like how how what what the the powers committee... they have. Yeah, I mean the committee is volunteers, so you have in, you have about seven to ten volunteers who are all creditors. Um, normally, you'd expect them to be the the ones with larger account holders. Um, that, um, and essentially, they're the ones that are going to be voting and deciding, um, representing creditors, appointing a team of advisors, and the the legal firm to the debtors, i.e., FTX, and the legal firm for the creditors, uh, really become two of the most important players in determining the outcome for people receiving their funds back and what funds they get and how the assets are distributed. Um, so you have like the U S trustee, which is an appointment of the department of justice. Um, you have the judge, you have the creditors, um, committee, and then you have the debtors. So if, if he gets on the creditors committee, uh, that, that would be, uh, you know, that should really be fought against on behalf of creditors. That's not, that's not a good look. I'm gonna do a poll actually. I want to see what the audience think. Let's see. Is Kevin O'Leary is Kevin O'Leary involved in the FTX fraud? What do you think, uh, Sam? Should I do that poll? Do uh, I mean, if you want, want you... but I mean, you know, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what does I mean, that I, mean? I, I, I've been highly critical of Kevin O'Leary for for weeks now. I don't think he was actually criminal. Um, I think he's trying to protect his reputation at this point and salvage his career as a, as an endorsement person and his amazing deal flow that you know he, he brags about. But actual criminal? No, I, I don't. I don't. See yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy out. to it's easy to invest in a company. Um, if you invest in a hundred to two hundred companies, you're going to get a bad oh, egg. Um, obviously, this is a bad, bad egg. Yeah, like who the from the investors? Is, the investors. The question in, is, into, why did he into, double down? Like, you, yeah, you had the, the opportunity to. to the just investors say, oh, in Theranos. So, so, Silver, the investors in Theranos, they didn't double down. They were the first to jump and call her a fraud and start saying how she tricked everyone. 
Sam tricked a whole bunch of people smarter. He tricked everybody. Everyone knows that. Everybody was tricked by Sam. And we feel sorry for the people that invested. So I just don't... I understand he wants to protect his reputation, but he's doing the opposite by protecting Sam. He's doing the complete opposite. Like, we weren't critical of Kevin in the early days. We became critical as soon as he started talking positively when he went on Rand's show and he said that he would still invest in Sam again. Which we were like, yeah, we, you know, we treat it with a grain of salt. But then he kept doing this time and time again. That's what... Is off, yeah, and no, I've no, met no. Kevin. Matthew I like Mario, him. He's a nice guy. I'm He's a nice guy, but I don't, I don't. I don't. Hi everyone. Don't, I'm going to jump in here, and I'm just going to say that. Uh, hi, I'm Adele Nazarian, CEO of the American Blockchain Pack. You can follow us at US Blockchain Pack. Many, many months ago, um, myself and Todd White, who's the founder, we saw a lot of red flags being raised with the sheer volume of political contributions that were given by by SPF and by his company to political organizations. Um, the reason political action committees, specifically the American Blockchain Pact, exists is because we're the only legal vehicle and structure with which, which, with, within which um, political contributions can be made. And frankly, I am so grateful that we did not accept any contributions from um, SBF or FTX. I can't say the same for other political action committees in the crypto space who have partnered with them. I think that we're going to see a lot of news coming out um, perhaps about those associations. But if you paid close attention, you would see that a lot of red flags actually were raised early on. Um, a lot of the media, a lot of the obviously bought and paid for favors, the influence that was wielded um, by their decisions. I think everyone saw reports where certain members of Congress were also lobbied specifically to not have the FEC look into uh, SBF and to investigate him. Of course, that you know, that was short lived. But um, just to answer the previous, you know, commenter, definitely, if you looked at it, the writing was on the wall. Um, but hopefully now everyone will go ahead and pay attention to what we've been doing for the past year and seeing how we were created literally to protect every single person here and everyone who fell victim to what FTX, Alameda Research, and SBF unfortunately were part of. So uh, we're going to continue stronger than ever before to forge forward and to continue to protect. And it's, it's sad that um, it's gotten to the point where crypto, which is not a Ponzi scheme, unfortunately in the hands of the wrong people, has now been a little bit, you know, tainted. And uh, because of the actions taken by, you know, Sam and by um, his, his cohorts. But uh, I definitely urge everyone here to follow the American Blockchain Pack at US Blockchain Pack. Reach out directly. And, uh, uh and uh, go ahead. I appreciate being here, Adele. Thanks a Thank lot. You. And I did the poll. I did the poll as well while you're speaking. Not a poll. I just asked a question. I want to be just always careful to make accusations. But I asked a question. Why is Kevin O'Leary still defending SBF in the media? So let's see what people say. Because sure. I have a feeling people will be a lot more critical than we are. And Silver, and, and then you are Silver. Like, Silver, what were you going to add? Like, what do you think of the point that I made? Does that... Um, Theranos, everyone jumped and started calling him a fraud. Everyone was tricked by, by like, I know that Adele, that there were a lot of warning flags, but no one really listened to them. Like, again, we have Nick on stage right now, him and Hussein, we're ringing the alarms. They mentioned a lot of the things that we know now months ago, and they were ignored by the press and others. They went to the media. I think it was you, Hussein, you and Nick, that went to the media, and the media's like, we don't have enough evidence. I think it was you. Someone was turned down by... Uh, who was it? We had an insider, I think, on our stage that was turned away by the media when he wanted them, wanted to, to whistleblow on, on Sam because 
uh, FTX was a big advertiser. And all of us VCs were following Alameda. Some of the smartest people had money on, on FTX. Uh, Genesis, you know, we got a lot of powerful players in the space that were tricked by Sam. So uh, my question to you, Silver, is it just doesn't make logical sense unless he's just being honest. Maybe Kevin is purely being honest. Like, guys, I genuinely think he's not guilty. And remember, guys, he's arrested, but he's not charged as guilty. So while we all think he's guilty oh. and all, uh, all things indicate that, we don't know that Sam is guilty yet. Just to be clear, technically, oh. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know that yet. I, I mean, we, we, we obviously know why Kevin O'Leary is saying he's trying to salvage his reputation as a, a, a smart guy. What's more... What's more uh, Bill Ackman, that one's more confusing because he doesn't really have any stake in this and he's going out there putting his reputation on the line defending um, Sam. That was way more confusing than Kevin O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary's motivations seem to be more about salvaging his reputation. Can I ask a question about Sam? Like, we, Where did Sam come from? Because like, I... You know, I, I thought I knew everyone in this industry. From MIT? And Sam, out <laughs> of nowhere, like, literally became this person that everybody everybody looked up to. Like, the, the, what you just said, Mario, your, your perception of Sam um, was that. But that yeah. came out of nowhere. And yeah. I've never seen someone rise so fast out of nowhere that nobody in our industry knew and then suddenly um, had that status with a bunch of noobs. He so I think I've never what, seen that before. No, I, I think what happened. It's really interesting, honestly. Um, what what happened was after Jane Street, he decided to take advantage of that. You know that kimchi, um, you know, ad- premium of yeah. But that, is that his Bitcoin. story? It, did that no, happen? That's probably no. His that story. did happen, uh, and and he has this story about how he knew he could build a better exchange. But really, what happened is he just wanted to be able to trade faster and confidentially more of that. Do like. Uh, make better, uh, faster, and larger Bitcoin transactions, which is why he started FTX. But but that's um, what we, we just regurgitating met... his narrative. No, no, I mean that's no. That's we want to know what how he became popular. And yeah, to my yeah. knowledge, so he became popular. Can pushing him? Like he was supposed to be this uh, this uh, this wunderkind, right? This this genius who wanted to give all his money to the world, and it was for good causes. And there's a bunch of YouTube videos on this. this is this Australian YouTuber? He's uh, he's getting a lot of trouble, but uh, forget the guy's name. He was one of the big boosters of him. I'm sure you've seen his video. I think Wall Street Silver posted it, where he was you know talking about how this guy doesn't drive a car, like not a nice car. He drives a cheap car, and and it's ads like that that got him that propelled him to the forefront. So I just oh, wanted Nas Daily. Hold on, sorry. Just, yeah, Nas Daily, correct. Nas Daily, yeah, that's the guy, yeah. And Hussein, I know you're jumping in. You and Nick probably have more insight into this than anyone. I know you're trying to jump in a couple of times. Uh, what's your answer to this? You're muted, Hussein, and Nick. Go yeah, yeah, you mean, I, I just let Nick, I, I'll give this floor to Nick. So the last two seconds, uh, sorry, the last two minute or so, was uh, we couldn't hear anything. So what are we up to? 
Oh, so, I'm saying, do you want to take that one if you heard it? And then, they're talking about SPF, how he came. We're talking about the maximum money he made in his arbitrage and how his money came. So I think you're the best oh, person yeah, to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we, yeah, yeah jump, that, jump when we were looking at that, it just seemed like such a such a nonsensical story that, um, that, there's, that he can make that sort of money just from arbitrage. I mean, yeah, sure, the first couple of transactions before everyone else picks up on it, but, you, you know, it can't go on forever, and it's certainly not in, not in the billions. The highest we could pick up was $26 million in... One month where he was, where he was, uh, we ha- where he had the whole scene to himself. So I don't know. But also, it's do you impossible. know? Do you know? You know, there was capital controls, and I, I remember that trade. I remember how hard it was to actually capitalize on that trade. I was in Hong Kong at the time when I where I was living, um, and the the capital controls and getting inside to take advantage of that trade was a really really hard trade. And what I'm saying is that. Everybody that I've known that, you know, CZ had a background before he became CZ or Binance. But Sam was the only person where new new people to the industry were telling me about this person. I had no idea who he was. And suddenly he was just propelled to superstar status with nobody understanding like where he came from and who he was. And, and it just happened so quick amongst the... The, the new people to the industry, but not the older. So hold, on, hold, on, hold on, Simon. He had he had two years at uh, James Street, and Caroline had one, and Sam had another one. So they were qualified to bring coffee, at least. So it actually says that this is the the, the timeline that they had, uh, and it's true. They had almost no time experience like that. It's ridiculous that any no one would even know if he was a genius at that point, because literally he probably just learned where the bathroom was. But um, but so what happened is um, he bought. So that started 2019 and then COVID happened and a huge amount of attention went on. You're, to wait, Alexandra, the, there's an important step you missed before that, though, because Alameda Research was launched in 2017. So he was he was it was a uh, crypto hedge fund. Um, right. So 2017 was his first foray into crypto. I mean, granted, FTX was not launched uh, till later. Uh, you're correct but, on that, uh, but I think the Alameda piece is is pretty important. No, I I understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is FTX started 2019. We're talking about when did he become famous? Nobody knew him between 2017 and 2019. In 2019, he founded this not because he was trying to build something enormous. It was because he was trying to build something that would make him rich, which fair enough, right? But then what happened is COVID and, and cryptocurrency suddenly became mainstream popular in uh and then in 2020 he did that huge transaction buying block block folio that is where most people heard of him for the first time sequoia invested july 2021 and he becomes a designated financial genius from there you can actually track pretty quickly how he becomes famous and not and for this is what i was going to say is if you looked at the lawsuit against yuga labs you can see whether or not it's true in their accusations but you can actually see how people become very famous in the crypto scene without necessarily having qualifications. 
qualifications are basically something that people assign to you rather than something that you prove. And we see this over and over again. There, this is something that is a fault of due diligence. It's due diligence, you know, partly with the, the VCs, but also with, you know, retail investors. People are not asking the right questions. But if you want to know how he became famous, he spent, what was it, like 120, 150 million on Blockfolio. And that was an enormous transaction that took up a huge news cycle. That's when I, I, I actually have a different, I actually have a slightly different read on it, which is that, I think he basically took CZ's playbook and then tried to repeat it uh, in the best way he could. So what I mean by that is what CZ did is that when he launched an exchange, he realized that one of the best ways in which he could pump more liquidity into that exchange was by actually launching his own layer one blockchain. So what happened was he had his team for GoEth during the DeFi summer run-up. And from that, he suddenly had a massive layer one blockchain that not only had its own layer one coin, BNB, that he could print money from, but it had a massive stable coin called BUSD, which is the third largest stable coin. What Sam did, in my opinion, yes, the Blockfolio thing was important, but what Sam realized was that he needed to replicate those pieces that CZ had. So instead of him going and launching his own blockchain, he went and took a huge position in Solana through their CD round. He launched the number one, um, basically liquidity providing solution with Serum that was providing liquidity to all of DeFi. So that's how he replicated the layer one. And then as Hussein and uh, Nick have talked about, he had a relationship with Tether in which he was able to get actual stable coin uh, flows too, which you really need uh, to be able to be a market maker and to have the liquidity pumping through. It, it, so it, it, that's where he it, came from, in my opinion. You know, you know where you know what would be funny if SBF just joins the space right now. That would that would <laughs> that would make things uh, a lot more interesting. He's uh, a bit Jim, busy. Uh, I, I will see. <laughs> I don't know, man. Imagine he joins it. Like, guys, I'm under arrest. I'm I'm being well taken care of. Everything is fine. Again, as I was saying, I was not aware of the commingling of funds. <laughs> Kim, how are you, man? Been a long time. Good, good. I just woke up. Hello, Kim. Kim. And yes. SPF arrested. <laughs> on now officially on the CIA target list. Holy shit, man. <laughs> there so is Kim, justice left in the world. You thought he had too much political power and it couldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, good to see you, everyone. I'm having a, a nice start of the day. Yeah, so far, the day started well. So, well what, we found, what we found so far, Kim, is he was arrested based on the – actually, um, where is uh, – where are you? Orbis. Orbis, what were the charges? Just to update Kim, what were the charges? So the charges um, are for wire fraud, wire fraud, conspiracy, securities fraud, securities fraud, conspiracy, and I believe money laundering. Is and that, he's being uh, is that a local charge in the Bahamas or is that a US charge? The, uh, the US NY that's charging him, the Southern District of New York. He's also hey, being charged by the SEC. So you guys, you guys know what happened then, right? Uh, his ex-girlfriend from Alameda was seen in yep, New York. Yep, she would, yep, have, she that's would it. have gone and made a deal right away and given them everything she knew. Your first, your first question, Kim. As soon as he jumped in. Sorry. Your first, that was your first question of him as soon as he jumped in. We yeah, were, I mean, we were, it's we were building up. We were just straight in on. So your girlfriend, you're going to throw her under the bus. Oh shit! Yes, yes, you remember? Exactly I remember that. right. And and Mario was so kind to cut me off the little 
gummy bit. Hey, hey, don't give it, don't give it, don't <laughs> put it on me. That was on Chet. That was on Chet. He's not with us. Don't, don't blame me on this one. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I love you. You know that. I love you. <laughs> the public arguments. That's famous. It's infamous. But yeah, but crazy. I mean, it was so obvious to me, right? I mean, who is the weakest link in that whole SBF uh, crime family? And that is, of course, her, you know, because he was going under the bus. doesn't understand anything about economics. Yeah. yeah he... and, and, the, and the moment she saw that he turned on her, she panicked. She went back home. She gave, you know, her, her witness statement to the DOJ, made a deal, and now he's... Uh, be getting grilled. Tim, do you remember how offended he was by your answer? That was the one that really got him, wasn't it? I don't understand uh, why question, no, one, no one else in this room saw that when I asked that question. Like, that was the most important question, right? Because it was so obvious. That's where... And it was also the only time where SPF flinched and used swear words and wasn't happy, right? Yeah. No, he was he was very offended by that one. So we had as well other other updates came in for anyone that joined us late. Um, so these were the charges. There were the, the so the the U.S. government requested uh, the Bahamian authorities to arrest Sam for extradition. Now we know there's charges by the SEC as well that are, that will be publicly announced tomorrow. Uh, we know that his parents are under scrutiny, not under investigation. We know that Kevin O'Leary is under scrutiny as well for constantly defending um, Kevin. And we have Hussein and Nick on stage. And they were they did the investigation for nine months into FTX. They were calling. I don't know if you heard the story, Kim, that The Block, which is one of the top publications, one of the top outlets, most respected outlets in crypto. And uh, the CEO got $30 million from Sam, apparently. And we don't know uh, you know the details to it beyond that. Um and then he, he stepped down immediately after this uh, these findings were public. But Nick and Hussein, who are on stage, they knew about this. That was part of their data room weeks or months in advance. Um, and they're saying that Kevin's involvement could be, and Nick was saying Kevin's involvement could be deeper than we think. And if he's appointed to the, what was it, Nick? If he's appointed to what? The um, credit credit committee. If he's appointed to the credit committee, then he could interfere into the investigation, which, again, th this is all speculation. We don't know for sure, but uh, you know, Hussein and Nick have been on point. Also, not sure if you know this as well, Kim, because um, have, we haven't done FTX spaces in a while. For anyone that doesn't know, Kim was there in the beginning. Me, Kim, and Chet were uh, kicked off the, S the FTX spaces in the early, early stages when the scam was, was unfolding in front of our eyes. You know, When CZ came on, when Elon came on, Kim was there. So another thing that you remember, Kim, when the app, the FTX app, everyone was saying, hey, uninstall it, or FTX said uninstall it. Um, in the last space we did last week, Hussein and Nick dropped all the beans, spilled all the beans on everything they know, and I did a whole thread on it, which I retweeted about an hour ago. And as part of that thread, because they knew so much shit, and people thought they were crazy in the early stages, and again, months before they met me, before the implosion, everyone ignored them. And time, you know, one thing after another unfolds to be correct. Another thing they said, when FTX said, hey, you have to uninstall the FTX app, the reason was they were wiping data from their systems. And when the hack happened and the money was being drained, money was drained, it's a lot of money, but the main reason they did this was to uh, divert attention away 
from the data they're wiping off their, their databases. So that's another point that Hussein and Nick made. It's, I did a whole thread on all, all these points and more. So that's a, an update for you on the whole FTX. I mean, as you know, Caroline was seen in New York in front of the Attorney General's office, I think, at a cafe. Yeah. Mario, so, that's one, uh, one that's, question uh, that I have about what's happening. Hey, just the same. One question that I have about what's happening right now wasn't SBF invited to give testimony um, to the Senate under yes. oath? Both yes. the and, Senate and the House. Uh, so the, the timing of this is just so weird. Like, why rush? If he's with finance, did you guys? Um, that, that's another potential way to minimize, to mitigate the circumstances by. Um, beating the uh, Binance uh, Chinese backing drum, uh, that that line might uh, get a lot of attention. Um, you know, Cold War 2.0, um, you, you know, remember that there was, there was something, when FTX applied for a licence in Gibraltar, they needed to do the KYC for the major shareholders, and this is at a time when Binance was still there, and uh, Binance refused to provide... Um, the, inform uh, the information, because obviously, you, ha you know, it asks things like who your principal bankers are, what the relationships are, who your major, who your, your major associates are, and that sort of information he wasn't particularly, uh, CZ wasn't particularly happy about handing over to his competitor. So the point was, um, it, it was a, um, a cornerstone by which um, FT, uh, SBF was arguing that, uh, that there's something sinister about Binance. So that that line... Um... Okay, sorry. Um, I just muted everyone. This is going nowhere. Uh, let me just say what I wanted to say. So uh, the, the timing of this is interesting because the DOJ could have just waited for him to give this testimony and gather even more evidence against him if they seriously want to succeed with charging him uh, and putting him on trial, why let such an opportunity go to let him speak under oath uh, to lawmakers, right? So that is something that I think is really fishy. Um, and uh, I would like I'll to tell stick... You, uh, yeah, stick I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a point on this one, Kim. Uh, Charles Hoskinson was on the space and he made an interesting point uh, about half an hour ago. And he said it could be that Sam was... Someone tipped them off that Sam was trying to escape the Bahamas, so they immediately moved and arrested him because they arrested him sooner. We had a, a couple of lawyers on space. They didn't expect the arrest to be so soon. So they're saying he was arrested sooner and could be the fear of the U.S. authorities that he will try to escape. Um, but it, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's accurate because Caroline is in the U.S. She was in Hong Kong and she went to the U.S. So it just doesn't add up that she's going to the U.S. yet Sam's going to escape. Um, obviously, she might be Maybe when Caroline went to the U.S., Sam knew she's going to spill the beans on him, and he tried. He was trying to plan his escape because he still has billions. Hussein and Nick were saying that the amount of money that was funneled out of FTX is significantly higher than what's being reported. So that means Sam is possibly or likely sitting on billions, and he could use that money to escape the Bahamas. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that he's a flight risk, but so shortly before he's giving this testimony, I mean, he can... It's a, it's a small place, the Bahamas, you know, to get away from there. Uh, if you if you put a, a surveillance team on him, he's going to get nowhere, right? So to rush this now in light of this uh, testimony that he was going to give, I think is a little bit fishy. 
Well, so does um, Reuters said that he is going to testify, and CNBC said that he's not. So, if you're a free person or arrested, does that make a difference on whether you can be forced to do this or not? Does anyone know? Um, we can. Can he be forced to? Uh, what did you say? I, the, well, the as in, um, so imagine. So we don't know whether he was going to do it or wasn't going to do it. But does it make a difference whether you force him to do it if he's arrested or not? Or yes. is there any difference? Yes, for sure. It makes it much more likely that he will not uh, evade the testimony, right? So it's more likely that he'll be that he will testify if he's in custody than if he's not. So, so that's so are we expecting him to testify tomorrow? Would you? Would you I, think I that's going to so. happen? Personally, yeah, I don't think he will. This is uh, this is Meta Lawman. Uh, I'm a 30 year, uh, securities fraud lawyer. I don't think he's going to testify. Um, and they haven't served a subpoena on him, but if they had, then he would, now that he's been arrested and the U S has declared that they have these charges, he would, you would think take the fifth amendment and not say anything. So they could compel him to appear, but he wouldn't answer questions or his lawyer would quit immediately. I've got a couple other things that I think are relevant to what you guys have been talking about. It's been a great uh, conversation. The parents piece, this is very, very typical. This is very typical. This is leverage. This is what they did to Andy Fastow in, uh, in Enron. We are going to send your wife to jail for a really long time unless you plead guilty. So they're going to use the parents as leverage there, there. I think it's very unlikely there's going to be a trial. I think he's going to plead guilty eventually. They are going to have, and he's maybe run out of money or run out of money that he admits to having. So the leverage on uh, the government side is significant with the with the parents and how long he's going to be sentenced to and where he will serve that sentence. His leverage is the money. So if he has a lot of money, like Hussein said, and great work by Hussein and the others. This is just amazing, unprecedented situation where so much evidence of a fraud is in the public domain. Normally, the Department of Justice secretly convenes a grand jury and everybody is sworn to secret. And you can go to jail if you say anything about what you told the grand jury uh, or even that you were subpoenaed. Uh, so the fact, Mario, that you you guys have been creating this platform for this evidence to become public is another leverage is this highly political um, prosecution. So yes, everyone is correct. They were afraid he would run away. That was the egg on the face scenario for the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District. He could not survive. That is the worst thing that could happen. So that's one reason they snatched him. The other reason is all of this evidence of the guy's guilt and his fraud is so clear and made public and it's not one of these quiet investigations where you don't know and they simply say can't talk about it it's under ongoing investigation we'll let you know if we ever indict him this is all public thanks to again a lot of people on this call um etc so anyway his leverage is the money think about it so let's say you've got one million u.s citizens voters who are out money Okay, from this FTX US. And 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 there are actually plenty of US citizens in FTX.com as well. I know that for a fact. Uh, but anyway, if Sam 
still on Twitter or using somebody to tweet for him, uh, says, hey, you know what? I just told the prosecutors I have $2 billion and I'm willing to turn it over if he just gives me 20 years in jail, you know, at a really nice, comfortable jail or something like that. The money, if he has secreted it, which most crypto people do, it's in our nature to do that. Uh, he's got something and, and that would be his leverage. Secondly, I predict that this internal investigation by Sullivan and Cromwell will promptly come to an end. It's going to come to a screeching halt very quickly as people lawyer up and refuse to cooperate. Sullivan and Cromwell just went to the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York with John J. Ray like yesterday and to talk about what was going on. And that means that if Sullivan and Cromwell shares the results of their investigation with the government, that means doing the investigation. They're acting as an agent of the government, and therefore they're supposed to be giving Miranda warnings and protecting uh, you know, the evidence, the emails and all of that in a, you know, an FBI kind of way. And they don't do that. So this is this is going to stop and the FBI is going to take over the investigation, I would predict. Secondly, on Binance. OK, he, he has been saying secondly five times now. So, sorry, I'm stopping you for a moment there. Uh, I have a different view. Um my view is this, put yourself in Joe Biden's shoes, right, who has gotten, who has received millions in donations from this guy and other uh, politicians in the Democratic Party as well. You know, the fact that this is happening now before he was going to give evidence under oath, the fact that uh, they are not waiting for him to come to the U.S., but uh, to do this now in the Bahamas looks to me like uh, an extradition proceeding, right, where he can defend himself against extradition in the Bahamas. He may even end up with bail uh, and be able to live a relatively normal life. And at the same time, uh, the U.S. government is threatening his parents. So they have leverage against Sam to, you know, basically do as he's told, um, but maybe they don't want to deal with him right now in the U.S., and Biden just wants to sit it out and buy some time, so keep him in the Bahamas under extradition proceedings that he is fighting. That is the most elegant way, if I was Biden, how I would deal with the situation to shut him up, keep him in place, not have to deal with the issue right now in the United States and let some grass grow over it so he's already forgotten and not so much in the in the media attention anymore. That is, I think, a strategy that is uh, also has to be considered. Hey, Kim, uh, I wanted to just give before a Before I give you orders, out. just quick, 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 I want to mention one thing someone just sent me. So we're talking about his... Um, um, uh, testif uh, uh, testimony at the Financial Services U.S. House Committee on Financial Services, which is in two days, and they updated their website and ten minutes ago, and SBF is still scheduled to testify. So I'm not sure if that means anything, but someone sent me that. Uh, go ahead, Orbis. Hey, uh, Kim. You know, thanks for that explanation because early on in the space, this is what I had mentioned. You were not obviously you were not there, and I was 
referring to someone who was with SPF just last week and they had come from Bahama straight to Miami and they were telling me that hey uh, Joe Barbara his parents they have been in Bahamas for a couple of weeks now SPF is there and they were actually waiting on extradition and then this guy this was the question that I was asking earlier that why were they waiting for extradition and I like the theory that you have put in but also you know with some of the lawyers that we have right now in the space I have a couple uh, I have a couple of questions. Okay, the first one is really around uh, Nishat Singh. Because Nishat Singh, Alexandra, you had mentioned this earlier. I see Alexandra is not on the stage. But she had mentioned that extradition for someone who is a foreign national is different from a U.S. national. And I'm wondering if Nishat Singh can be booked at all and extradited from India, even though there is an extradition treaty in place um, between India and U.S. And my other question was around... Um, FTX being booked for market manipulation. So Mario, I sent you a news article from five days ago where they are potentially even investing SBF and uh, SBF's involvement or FTX's involvement in the crash of Terra Luna. And that crash could actually be extrapolated to have wiped off a trillion dollars from the crypto market. And that could mean that he could possibly face charges for more than just the $50 billion that we're talking about and, you know, booked under other frauds for market manipulation. And the one thing I just wanted to add, I have these two questions, but the one thing I wanted to add to our Kevin O'Leary conversation, and Mario, I sent you a tweet on, I sent you a news article on that too. It doesn't seem like Kevin ever made uh, any money. He was supposed to get $15 million, but he did not actually make any of that money. So now the question is, why has he been supporting? Because if he hasn't actually made any of that money, then, you know, maybe there's more but there's maybe maybe there's some behind the scenes uh meta lawman is jumping in and maybe i'll ask hussein right after meta lawman but maybe he got more money similar to how the block um got money the ceo got money uh, under the table i think it's like 30 yeah. million dollars Mario, do, you, do, you, do you remember when i asked svf the question if he or his lawyers are already in touch with the department of justice and he didn't want to answer that i mean it would have been the easiest thing for him to say no if they weren't, but he didn't. So my expectation is because he was the second largest donor to the Democratic Party, he has uh, allies and friends in the Bahamas politics as well. Remember when the AG in the Bahamas gave his speech, he was the first to retweet it. Um, so to me, I think this is a this is a concerted effort. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if SBF already knew what's going to happen. Uh, you know, the U.S. is going to get under a lot of pressure if they are not charging him. So the most elegant way is to charge him while he's in the Bahamas, start extradition proceedings. He gets bail. He still lives comfortably, fights bail for a couple of years. And then they will try and figure out, you know, how to how to deal with the situation when it's not so heated anymore. What the Democratic Party gets by this approach uh, in exchange is that they can just shut down any kind of questions about his donations, any kind of involvement with him, all of that is going to be uh, a sideshow because he's not around to answer these questions. So to me, I wouldn't yet be too excited about SBF going to jail or anything like that. I think uh, we need to watch and see what's going to happen. My prediction is extradition proceedings, he will fight extradition. He gets bail because he, his lawyers will argue he's not a flight risk. The prosecution will probably agree. And then he's just out on bail and extradition proceedings in Bahamas can take 
uh, three to five years, depending on how many court uh, uh, proceedings there are. I'm more the yeah, optimist. I, I know, Madam Loman, I'll give you the mic right after. I'm more the optimist. I remember me and Kim would have those discussions in the early days of the implosion. I'm like, he's going to get arrested. He's going life, to get life in prison. Caroline's going to get arrested unless she does a deal. And um, I'm, I'm more optimistic on, on uh, you know, his donations and his connections. And even the money he holds will not be enough considering the damage he has done. I hope I'm right. But... Um, We'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Loman, what do you Mario, think? Mario, I, I hope you're right hey. too. I just, uh, sorry, uh, I don't give, want to take uh, anything from you. I just wanted uh, to quickly uh, say. I'll just get, I, I know Meta Loman has been waiting. I'll give you the mic right after if you don't mind, Orbis. Go, go ahead, Meta Loman. Yeah, two, two quick things. I think uh, uh, Kim may, may, maybe has not seen the, the uh, statement from the Bahamas. I'll tell you what, it looks like they really want to get him off their hands. Him being there, tweeting, smiling, doing uh, interviews doesn't is not a good look for them. So their their statement indicated that they wanted to deal with it very quickly. So that's unusual, um, and I think they will. So I, it would not surprise me if uh, if Sam is in New York within sixty days. Um, secondly, this Binance. Um, thing with CZ that Reuters put out earlier today is important. They are trying to pull the Charlie Shrem playbook on CZ. This is your platform, Binance, is being used for money laundering and as a conduit for uh, illicit trade in whatever, drugs, guns, you name it. This is the Charlie Shrem playbook and they're squeezing him and now we know why brian brooks left uh, binance us without explanation after working there for about 30 days so well, it's I also believe- exactly what what i had predicted right uh, that the crosshairs are now on cz because he has basically kicked the the number one uh, donor for the democratic party from the crypto space uh, down the the hellhole right so they're going to take revenge on him i i think you're right here's the connection this is about i this is a prediction that has some basis for it there's going to be a second shoe to drop with respect to ftx and that is this creditors list that they are fighting tooth and nail to keep quiet. Why? Because they have the same exact problem that Binance and Charlie Shrem had, but maybe even more so. Because why do you ha- hire Dan Friedberg to look the other way when you're supposed to be doing anti-money laundering KYC You know, for opening accounts? When this comes open, it's going to be a bombshell, in my opinion, that is that is comparable to what we saw in the Panama Papers in terms of a who's who. And of course, there will be fronts. There will be Cayman Island fronts and LLCs. It'll be, you know, XYZ LLC. And then this Twitter hive mind will go to work and find out who the true owners are. And it's going to lead back to a lot of interesting places like North Korea, China, Iran, Venezuela, and Colombia, and, and things like that. I'm very certain of that. Um, because, you know, he, he basically put out a sign saying, come do your business here. We are unregulated at, at FTX.com. FTX.com is not regulated by the, even the Bahamas. Uh, that's FTX Digital Markets. So FTX.com is functionally not regulated and can handle large transactions in crypto and uh, 
And because the United States government had put all those Swiss banks out of business, these are the logical choices. And it is going to be quite a revelation when that creditors list comes out. Simon, I'll stop. uh, I appreciate you sharing this. Simon, I want to Kim, because I know Kim was very critical of Binance in the early days of this implosion. And even when CZ was on stage. Um, Jonah, if you don't mind, Simon, if you're still with us, uh, just tell, give Kim a quick overview of the um, the FUD that's been spreading in the last 24 hours around Binance. Um, I'm still on the on the on the side of like um, I just don't think Binance did anything. They're not perfect, but I'm not too concerned. Uh, but let's just state the facts, and because I think Kim will be uh, this is a good I told you so moment from Kim. Oh right, no, I mean, yeah. So their um, their auditor won't get behind their audit report, um, and so they're not able to prove. Uh, what they're what they're trying to prove, and then at the same time, um, they're they're being thrown money laundering charges at the moment. So those those are the main two things. I don't think it's uh, we, and we saw a billion dollars of outflows, including Jump Capital and and a couple of other market makers. Uh, I'm gonna get um get the team to look into everything related to Binance. Maybe we'll cover them. We've never d- done a special on Binance. We'll cover them this Thursday because I think it's a much more important story, in my opinion. I think SPF getting arrested is good in news. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give it another shot. Considering the fud that's been spreading around, he he's yeah, been on the space. Yeah, he came. He came on the space because I think Kim was pretty critical of of Binance um, when FTX hey, imploded. Hey, everyone every, was everything I said then, Mario is unfolding now. Haven't I told you? You know that he's going to get charged, that he will have all these problems, that he will be the next on the on the target list, and look what look look what's unfolding, because he has really set himself up. That was the dumbest move CZ ever did to get involved in the downfall of FTX, the poster boy of the Democratic Party, a major donor. Like that, he could not see that. Just speaks for his naivete and his lack for understanding how the world works. So, in defense of CZ, we not defense, but just to to say that he it hasn't gone that far yet. There is just a, a bit of smoke here and there. Um, we do know that Gemini, um, uh, since the space we did a long time ago, since the implosion, there's Gemini, which is a big player in the space. They could be the next domino to fall. We covered them a couple of weeks ago. Um, and two days ago, I told you the block was um, was under scrutiny because of money they received from SBF. Um, By the but way, I let, me, that... let me just repeat what I've said, you know, when we started these spaces. Now it's even more important if you still have any money, any crypto in any exchange, withdraw it. Put it in a cold storage, you know, put it in a, in a hardware wallet. Do not have it on exchanges, especially now with everything that's happening, there's a real chance that Binance is going down and you don't want your crypto sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I pull out of Binance. You know, I had some money in there. It's like, yeah, it's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no reason to wallet there. now. Like, I, why, why is anyone there anyway? Um, yeah, even if... Even if, even if, even if yeah, even if Binance is backed one to one, Binance is not a bank; it's a, it's an exchange. And they said this, and I want to applaud um, CZ and, and uh, Gabriel when they came on, and, and Jesse from Kraken when they came on. They said, "Hey, take the money off our exchange. Yeah, we don't, don't put mind." Yeah, don't money on there. It's just bad. It's just bad idea to do that to leave it on there. 
Um, Hussein, yeah, but you, by you, the way, he's, he's of course lying. He's just saying that to make everyone feel safe, and you know, like of course he doesn't want people to withdraw their crypto. That's his business, okay? Absolutely bullshit. Yeah, he's not investing in stuff. Yeah, without that liquid, that crypto on there, he's got nothing. Uh, Hussein, you called the. Sorry, go ahead, Obis. Sorry, I was wondering if CZ ever liquidated the five hundred and fifty million he was going to. Uh, he, I don't think he had the time. Uh, he, he just imploded too quickly. When did he start liquidating Sammy? Do you know when, when CZ started liquidating FTT? Was it before the tweet? He's been, he exited FTT a year or two ago. He exited his FTX investment. They bought him out. But his, FT, his remaining FTT tokens, he just started liquidating them. Do you know how much of them he liquidated? No, but yeah, I mean, he, he made the movement on the same day he did the tweet. So the the blockchain stuff picked it up, and then uh, and then he started doing the tweets. So that all happened on the same day, and uh, you couldn't you couldn't do shit with that. I mean, I remember the original thing was he was going to do it over a period of months or something. Was the original tweet, but I, I just, it, was a write, it was a write off. Multi billion dollar rescue fund. How about his multi billion dollar rescue fund? Has he actually rescued anybody yet? Uh, the yeah, so the rescue fund. Um, we 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 went to join that as well and basically you just put some you don't have to do it's just deal sharing um and uh you know people come and apply 200 people applied and then it's shared amongst a group of people and you all put you all um, publicly show a wallet address it's a bit of it's a bit of a song and dance um uh, hussein what are your thoughts on binance have you guys looked into it you're the big whistleblower around ftx with Binance now, I was hoping that Nick was here to go into in-depth. Um, about three, four months ago, we put an article explaining exactly what FTX is going to do in regards to hitting up CZ. Um, CZ already knew. Uh, FTX was paying a lot of money and had their own black ops operation and trying to do exactly what you see happening right now about three or three and a half months ago. I'll share the article with you. Just pin it up there. You'll read everything you guys are discussing right now being pointed at CZ is exactly the same as what we said that FTX is going to do. This is a ploy that FTX had prior. This is why CZ actually, you know, stepped away from Sam. Sam had plans to take out. Oh, oh, one... I just want to do one, do you one favor before you continue. Every reporter, I'm going through the audience. I'm seeing some well-respected reporters, guys. I promise you, message Hussein. He's got. I, I retweeted a thread that summarizes everything. Message Hussein. He's got a data room that reporters have not done it justice. There's things in there that are now being reported as breaking news. But he's had it in there for weeks or months. Highly recommend you check it out. I'm going to publish it on my Twitter. He's going to do a folder where I can make it public for everyone to see. I'll tweet it tomorrow. But I did a thread um, explaining everything that we discussed in the last space. He spilled all the beans. But I highly recommend you take his data room seriously. So that's Hussein on stage. DM him. Hussein, you're going to get a bunch of DMs uh, from a bunch of reporters I was looking at in the audience. I'll let you continue talking about Binance and, and whether, like, are you concerned? Uh, are you on my side of the aisle where you're not too concerned I'm about Binance or on Kim's? Yeah, yeah, we're not concerned about Binance. I mean, in every way, we actually knew the playbook. Um, in, in terms of what they were trying to do and portray Binance, we actually tried to get a private meeting with CZ a few months ago. We have very high contacts, and we thought that through our Chinese contacts, and I don't mean anything by it, but that's what we thought we could do. We contacted our, you know, parties we've worked with for a very long time and asked them to try to get a private meeting with CZ. We wanted to give CZ the information that we were given. So this ploy was pre-planned and it was meant to hit, and he already knows this. I mean, they, he, they even came after his 
family at one point. So FTX is the and again when you look at the, the larger picture, FTX had plans to take out Binance. Binance was one of the hurdles they actually had to hurt. So even though if this didn't fall today, uh, Binance was going to be a victim of uh, FTX and their what their group or whatever you want to call it. So I, I actually have no uh, no hesitation to say I've got no worries about Binance in, in any way or sense. To be honest with you. Well, it's just another piece of good news. I hope you're right. Um, I think that uh, Matt uh, Lawman, anything else to add just for, before Matt Lawman speaks, guys, and I'll, I'll have Kim wrap up the space for us. Uh, I do want to remind everyone a pinned tweet on my space. I'll pin it again. Um, uh, Mark and Reese is coming in tomorrow. And then we have a, a, a group of doctors, uh, high-profile doctors that will coming in the next day. So we've got two Mary, spaces were they, already. Were they investors in FTX, Mark Andreessen and Reese? Um, shit. He was in the uh, space no. for hours. No, Let me no, see. no, no. I, I, I don't, don't, I don't see A16Z. We had Sequoia Capital Paradigm. I did not see Andreessen Horowitz in the name. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was. He, yeah, Andreessen Horowitz. He probably would have been FTX into a bunch of Solana stuff and things, maybe. He would have had yeah. the same gut feeling that Elon somewhere. had, you know, which is like SBF or something wrong with him. Don't trust this guy. Yeah, do you remember when Elon jumped into the space? He's like, you know, he yeah. rang, he, my bullshit alarm went off. Um, yeah, my bullshit FTX. alarm went off. Yeah, I could see him a mile away. Yeah. So I've just Surprise pinned it above. Out. I've pinned above the uh, link to the Fauci files, um, the drop, and the doctors that will be coming in in two days. Um, so that one is, is going to be really tricky. And I uh, hope, you know, the space goes well. It's going to be pretty polarizing. And then tomorrow is a Mark and recent interview that I think a lot of you would enjoy. Anyone in crypto would really enjoy so that's tomorrow. Make sure you set your reminders for those spaces. Um, Meta Lawman, uh, you were about to. So sorry, something. Mario. Just oh, on something, this. Are you? Are you? Are we able to now talk about COVID without getting censored? Is that something you can uh, do? Now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can. Because I mean, before enough. you couldn't even mention it on YouTube, otherwise you're dead. Um, but is it? Is it now acceptable to talk I'm, about I'm so tempted. And I'm so tempted to just. I was. I'm, I don't want to do it, but like. I wanted to just, as soon as you said COVID, just end the space. <laughs> so then all these all these conspiracies start coming out well, that, that we're being censored again. The issue is that if you talk about COVID, you can't put this stream up on YouTube. So it kind of yeah. fucks the stream, right? And that's the oh, issue. Oh, shit. This is being, okay, I just realized this is yeah. being streamed right, right now on YouTube. Exactly <laughs> right. Can't bring it up. Can't bring it up. <laughs> okay. Right uh, did I say COVID? I meant, I meant uh, <laughs> Vivian. Meant, yeah. Vivian is SBF's other girlfriend that we're talking about. Her name is Vivian. Exactly. So we can yeah. be covering Vivian in two days for anyone that wants to join that space. Um, and tomorrow's Mark Andreessen. Meta Lawman, uh, you, you wanted to hey. speak? Mario, I I had a question for Meta Lawman actually, uh, or or anyone on the stage but Meta Lawman, and that was really around Nishat Singh, because Nishat Singh is a key person who literally was the brains, and he is an Indian national, and he's in India. And my question was, and Meta Lawman, you know, you are a security expert. Do you think he will be extradited, and will we ever get to hear from him? I do think he will, but your point is a good one. It's a little bit more complicated because he's an Indian national. However, if he committed frauds with American victims, he can be indicted in the United States, and that's all you need. If you have an indictment against him, that's that's why they the our government could not ask for Sam until today, and they're releasing uh, the indictment tomorrow morning, unsealing the indictment. But if you have an indictment against someone who's committed a crime that can be uh, adjudicated in the United States, then you can make the extradition request to India. And as you correctly pointed out, there is that extradition treaty. 
Second thing I will say is I have before, nothing before you say to... I have two two questions for you, Mera Loman. Sorry, on the first point you made. First, what can we expect tomorrow when the, when it gets unveiled? Um, and the second I... one is why doesn't that Singh person that everyone is pointing the finger towards, especially Hussein, why doesn't he just leave India when you know you could be you could be arrested and extra extradited? There's fewer and fewer places uh, in in the world that you can actually go where a government will protect you, whether there's a treaty or not. So, yes, there are countries that we don't have treaties with, but that's not the same thing as saying that country will refuse when the United States of America says it is in your best interest, small country. To oh, wow. So even person. even let's say Vietnam, let's say Vietnam. If in Vietnam has no extradition treaty with with uh, with the U.S., um, you so that go, means... to, go to Vietnam, Mario. The simple answer of me being an Indian is you need visas when you are an Indian citizen to travel to. But it could be. It more could be. But I'm sure there's some the African country. Like what's his name? That gentleman um, from Toyota went to Lebanon, and he's still in Lebanon. So I'm sure I there's don't a country. I think we can go to Lebanon also without. We can only go to 50 countries. And yeah, but when you have money, money when you money have money, money sitting, <laughs> exactly, like he could just buy, you know, he could, he could bribe anyone. And, and the reason that guy from Toyota is sitting in Lebanon, one of the main reasons they're not extraditing him, first, no treaty, second, he's just sitting on so much money. Uh, I'm assuming that's In, in India, money can go a long way. Remember Yes. That? You know, you so, have all the political connections in India. He's actually much ah. safer in India when it comes to corruption, guys. Hmm. He can buy I'm his way in India, remember that. So yeah, Mela, there, Holman, there, your thoughts on this, and then the yeah, second. Just, just there, 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 quick, there are certain countries that will not extradite their own citizens anywhere, such as uh, uh, Israel. Israel will not extradite an Israeli citizen to another country. I mean, there's certain certain countries where he will be safe uh, if he has citizens. I don't know if India is one of those. I uh, would have to probably look for more examples. No, no, but... India actually has an extradition treaty. However, what I'm getting at is in India, it's very easy to make a person disappear. And, you know, the money he has, he can pay his way, literally. Like, yeah, wasn't, that, like wasn't, it, wasn't, there, wasn't there owner of an exchange that went Quadrigas, to India? Yes, and, yeah. yeah, apparently faked his own death in India. We don't know the story. We should probably do an investigation oh, on him. You can, you can fake your death. You can Canada be a completely now. different person. Yeah, and, you know, remember when you're converting, US, US dollar to India ratio right now is one US dollar is 82 rupees in India. So, you know, you'll get a lot of bang for your buck and you can, you can, he can bloody change his face with cosmetic surgery in India and just assume a completely new identity. He can do all of that in India. Doc, one is still uh, on the loose. He's got 550 million reasons to basically hide in India. Right? The guy's got $550 million. You're just forgetting that. It's not, we're not talking about 10 million or 20 million. We're talking about $550 million in his possession. Yeah, it will be more complicated and than Baham. If he gets bored of India, he can move to, uh, um, to Canada, just like some uh, Indian mob bosses have. I'm sure you read about hey, that story a few years ago. Two UK, quick things. UK is the best place. UK too, yeah. They just moved there with your new identity and no one knows <laughs> you know, anything. Yeah, two quick things on, on Binance. I have nothing against Binance or CZ. Um, but the Reuters report is very thoroughly sourced. They talked to over a dozen people in the government. And obviously, somebody's saying no to indictment. And so this is why that leak happened, is be, to put pressure to, uh, to let the world know that they've been investigating him since 2018. And they've got him dead to rights, allegedly, on a bunch of clients of Binance that are money laundering. Secondly, 
uh, I, I'm, this is not FUD. I'm not predicting anything. But let's remember that there was a price at, at which FTT token, if it went below $22, there was a big problem at FTX. So I would keep my eye on this Binance token, which is down 4% while Bitcoin is up a percent right now today. And I would think it's likely, and Hussein and others who are really doing the important work here may already know whether that token is being used as collateral for something by, uh, by uh, CZ. And if the answer is yes, then there is some price below which a lot of problems start developing very rapidly um, for CZ. So that may be something to keep an eye on. And of course, his stable coin has been drained by about $100 million in the last few hours since the Reuters report. That's not a big deal. $100 million is not a big deal. And I don't think it's going to I don't think it's in danger right now. I don't know of, of breaking the buck, but, uh, you know, that's a cash cow when you can get a riskless 4% return in U.S. Treasuries to own a stable coin is a big, big deal. It's a lot of money. It's where Coinbase's profits are coming from right now. Um, so I would keep an eye on those two things. The market, it always tells you what is happening. I'll join. I, I want to two things quickly. I want to bring up uh, Brian Krasenstein. So, um, come up, bro. Uh, put your hand up because he mentioned the following. He's like, he sent me DM. He's like, I used to talk to the Quadriga founders every day from 2008 to 2012. Every day. So Quadriga is an exchange that um, apparently took customers' money and the CEO disappeared and pretended to be dead. That's I can't remember the, the, the full details. And his name was Michael. I, intru I introduced Michael Patron, the founder that didn't die. He didn't die, okay, to Bitcoin in 2011. So Brian introduced him to Bitcoin in 2011, and he still has the emails. So uh, I'll see if I can bring up Brian if he's requesting to speak. Um, would love Brian's take on this. In the meantime, while bringing up Brian, can I ask a quick question to you? Uh, maybe Simon, uh, can you tell us quickly, you tell Kim and others? Oh, sorry, Silver, you got your hand up before I go to Simon. I just wanted to, you know, I, one of the other things, to go back to SBF just for a second, uh, people were asking what leverage he might have to possibly negotiate a deal besides the money might be someone higher up. The only thing higher up I could think of would possibly be, you know, Alameda had a lot of connections to um, to Tether. And that's really the big question mark about the whole crypto world is Tether and whether it's really legit or not. And I would suspect SBF might be someone if there is anyone who has insight into what's going on at Tether uh, and whether and, and whether there's real problems there, that might be one of his negotiating points to possibly get a better deal. I just wanted to I'll put that out. i take the there. opposite of that. As a shareholder in Bitfinex, they're arch rivals. What did you say? Sorry, Simon? Um, as a shareholder in Bitfinex, I know FTX and Bitfinex are arch rivals. But Phoenix is the parent company of Tether, guys. You know, just and the Tether and they're not, they're not. I gotta hop out, but yeah. thanks for the stream. Um, I got a meeting at a bank. Cool, man. Appreciate. You. Yeah, I'll be on tomorrow. Yeah, thanks. Cool, for yeah, you guys. we'd love we'd love you love you to jump in tomorrow. I'll probably end the space in like 10, 15 minutes. I want to bring up Brian to right. talk about Quadriga. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it, man. For sure. Um, hey, see you, Kim. Mario, while so, I mean, while Brian is coming end? up, I wanted to quickly talk about. I know I had mentioned this earlier. Before, once before this, Obis, I'll, I'll give you the mic right after. Um, I, Kim, I know you're unmuted. I'll just give the mic to Kim because he was trying to unmute earlier as well. 
And before that, I also want to go right after Kim, I want to go to, to Simon to also summarize the Reuters report on Binance for anyone that is not aware. But Kim, you, ha- you were unmuting? Yeah, so the other big thing that happened today that I think we should do talk about uh, either today or tomorrow is that, you know, one of the key figures in the U.S. deep state, John Brennan, has openly attacked Elon today. Um, and that is, I think, a pretty big deal because they don't do that unless they want to send a message and make clear to him that, uh, you know, he's a target. So you should you should is... do a space. You should do a space, Kim. Uh, maybe when I end this one, everyone can jump into your space. You could you could. Uh, yeah, I, I will do that. a space after this and then we can talk about uh, the dangers that uh Elon is in now because obviously he is completely destroying their plan of, uh, you know, mass censorship and uh, mass media control. Um, And, you know, they're not happy about it. So why don't we do this? Once you close this thing, I'm opening a space and then anyone who's interested in the topic can join. Cool. I'll do the space right after. Kim will do the space right after. So you can go to his profile and go into it. So Kim has also been covering... Um, together and he's been doing his own spaces as well covering the Twitter files um, so if you're interested in that obviously we do it uh, on a regular basis and Kim is going to do it right after this as well um, yeah, yesterday uh, Simon... we had a really cool space about uh, the Biden crime family and I think by now 150,000 people listen to it so anyone who really doesn't understand uh, much about the Hunter Biden laptop and what it really means, the crimes that it really reveals. There's a beautiful recording of that space that we did yesterday that you should listen to. It's very enlightening. Cool. Uh, anyone that wants that, um, uh, uh, Kim, it's actually on Kim's recording is on Kim's profile as well, so you could check it out there. Um, uh, Simon, can you just give a quick overview for the audience because I think this is really important. The Reuters report. I'm not sure if you read it on. Um, on the Binance concerns? Um, yeah, you know, just simple headlines is um, the Department of Justice um, is, uh, you know, investigating Binance, has been investigating Binance um, for money laundering um, and uh, sanction violations, um, which are really serious things. So I, I was, I remember when Charlie Schwem got arrested um, for, uh, you know, a bit instant because... He had clients that were connected to the Silk Road through Mt. Gox. Um, and, uh, you know, when he entered to come to one of the Bitcoin conferences, he got arrested uh, and uh, was put in prison for about a year or so for pleading guilty to money laundering. Um, but, yeah, the, uh, the the Reuters report was just saying that there is something coming in terms of the Department of Justice, money laundering, um, sanctions violation and finance. And how serious do you think that is? Because I would expect those things to happen for an entity the size of Binance. So is that something that you just expect? One of the biggest players, the biggest player in crypto, will face. Yeah, I mean, scrutiny? you know, all, all. I mean, banks engage in money laundering all the time, and they pay their way out of it. Now, where does that sit in the political sphere of influence at the moment? Well, um, you know, Binance is not exactly a, a friend of the US and the US like to keep everything within the US. So um, you've got some geopolitics that tie into that. So, um, you know, Binance have probably more financial resources than anyone in the industry. Does that get you further? 
um, than the the geopolitics. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot at play there, um, you know. And uh, the 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 you know the U.S. wants to keep the industry within the U.S. and um, you know companies like Bitfinex, Tether, and Binance are, 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 are an enemy they'd like to eliminate. Um, Hussein, I'll give you the final word. I'm trying to bring up Brian to talk about Quadriga, but it's glitching. I know you wanted to add one last thing. Um, again, you probably get, I, I think you deserve more credit than anyone with this whole FTX saga with everything you and Nick have done. So you guys deserve most credit. Any final words, man? And, and I know you wanted to say something specific as well. Look, you guys were discussing earlier if SPF can actually obviously turn on someone much bigger than them. Um, I'll just say something. I won't go into too much detail because I know there's a lot of people on this channel still investigating this. We believe as of 2020, SPF actually created an alliance and they were working on many large projects which are actually larger in essence than just crypto. So one of the things we believe will happen is he does have... Your audio, your audio isn't great. It's not bad, but it's not great if you could fix it a tiny bit. Sorry, no apologies because I'm just walking into the next meeting. So I'll quickly run it through, but we believe that he does have the ability to actually do a deal. Uh, we believe from 2020 he formed an alliance with a few very large names, much larger than Binance, much larger than all these guys we're discussing here. And one of the things was actually tokenized shares. We believe there was a ploy for, and this is outside of FTX, um, but there was a ploy to set up a kind of infrastructure to basically create a, a tokenized fake share market or a secondary share market. So th this has been investigated by a lot of people right now, and a lot of them are on your channel. And if you want to speak to them off the channel, I can introduce you and they can tell you what's going on. We have been working with them, uh, but th there is other crimes that haven't been addressed by uh, FTX that we have, we've actually haven't brought up. And these crimes are big enough for them to actually do a deal. And I do think he will do a deal. Uh, we'll get a chance to actually have a good deal done. So I think there's much bigger players. I just want to update something real quick. So I'm, I'm going to delay my space a bit because Alex has a space going called Blacklisted by Twitter. And there's a lot of the people in there that were blacklisted. So I'm going to go hop over there after this is done. And then maybe later do uh, the CIA space. Okay, so if anyone wants to go into the space, Kim's jumping in now. Um, you can go to his profile, you can see which space he's in, and then you can go into his, uh, the space he creates later on. Uh, so what he's saying, Hussein, is that there's much bigger players that, that Sam could call out in a plea deal. Correct. That's what we believe. And, and these things are much bigger than the FTS collapse. So I know we're talking about the FTS collapse, but if what we've been told and what do you think of all the concerns around Genesis and uh, DCG? Look, I, I wouldn't comment. I mean, I, I literally like to comment only on stuff that I've got hard facts about and stuff I know back to front. Yeah, okay, I need to look out for that section. I was hoping you wouldn't scare the shit out of me with more information on this one. No, hey, Barry, no, can, we, can we ask Meta, Meta how, how do you interpret the fact that SPF was doing all these interviews? Like, we had our theories earlier. Do you do you have a theory from a legal perspective? Sorry, ask, my, uh, ask me. I didn't hear the last question. My apologies. No, he's asking Meta, Meta, Meta Lawman. Meta Lawman. Can you hear us, Meta Lawman? Yeah, oh, what's the question? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, okay. uh, I just wanted to see from your perspective as a securities lawyer, why do you think SBF was doing all of these um, interviews? What was his game? We had, we had a belief that... Um, it, there was like, if you plead like guilty, then it's more like manslaughter versus murder type thing. Is this does a similar thing exist in securities 
um, fraud and and wire fraud and all that stuff? Or why do you think yes. he did the interviews? Yes. Well, vir- virtually all of the criminal statutes require intentional mis- uh, misconduct, require intent. So he was very, very consistent. And con men are good at this. And he's a con man uh, in saying, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I miss that. I miss that. I just feel so stupid now in retrospect that, you know, my dashboard was broken. So I had no idea what the size of the Alameda, you know, margin position was blah, blah, blah. He's quite consistent for hours and hours and hours. Um, And he believed that he could convince people, here's your evidence, Bill Ackman. You know, how embarrassing is that, that people give Bill Ackman billions of dollars to invest for them, and Bill Ackman is sitting in the audience and falls for for, uh, Sam's song and dance. Uh, That Con men believe they can convince anyone. And so if he was just negligent, even reckless, then that gets you sued. It doesn't get you put in jail. Pisses me off. Pisses me off. Like we were, I think we did a good job in getting two things out of him. Did you watch the other interviews, uh, Simon, that Sam did after hours? Yeah, I, well, I got, I, I saw like um, Coffeezilla's summary, which I thought like pulled it all together pretty well. Was was he? Did, did you see any other interviews? Did he? Did anyone see the other interviews? Did he actually spill any beans, make a mistake, and admit something? Well, he's under arrest, so no, it's it's the, it's the same old. I mean, Mario, you already broke it down, right? I remember your tweet where you said that, hey, the house saying, thank you, SVS, for being candid and uh, you know providing information, and your tweet said. Mario's and so not Mario, but SBS information was basically 150 times saying I did not know what the fuck went wrong. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. All right, everyone. So we have SBF arrested. At least we got something good out of it. So I hope um, we more, 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 even more likely Hussein played a role in getting that done. At least some good news today. And um, yeah, anyone that was in my space earlier about the Twitter files, good to see you again. Now talking about SBF, I'll see you again tomorrow for Mark Andreessen. Everyone else, make sure you set your reminders for the other spaces so you get notified and you can join us. Tomorrow's Mark and recent chat should be interesting. And if you want a whole crazy debate that could get heated, then I'll see you in two days for the COVID debate, um, which I don't know how the hell it's going to go. Otherwise, really appreciate you all. I think it was a great space. Thanks a lot, Simon, and all other speakers that jumped off. Meta Lawman, thanks for being there for the first time. Orbis as well, and Hussein, um, thanks for everything, man. You've played the biggest role in making this happen. And um, you check your DMs for all the DMs from reporters. Thank you all. See you again soon. And um, hopefully nothing will break till the interview with Mark Andreessen. Bye, everyone.